What's up, everybody? It is finally that time of the year. We have been talking about it for weeks. We've been anticipating it. College football is back. You know, we had some cupcake games, some warm-ups this past weekend. But we're back, baby. We've got football. So I am your co-host, Rusty Blackheads, with the Two Black Sports Podcast. Welcome in. Glad y'all are here with us for what could be our most civil, friendly, and courteous episode we've done to date. Going to welcome in my co-host, Drew. Drew, what do you think about tonight, man? Are we going to be pretty civil Rusty, or what? Rusty, I'm just going to get this out of the way and give a big old screw you to you. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've been listening the last couple of weeks, uh, two weeks ago we spent our episode running down six teams from the SEC. Last week we did six more teams from the SEC, and if you can do math better than Rusty, you will realize that tonight that leaves us with two teams. And it's the two teams in which gear that we are rocking right now. We will talk about my Ole Miss Rebels and his Mississippi State Bulldogs. And uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed it. It's been a good run. And tonight, this will be it. <laughs> this will be it. This is uh, it. This is the end I of think, an era, both friendship and I podcast. I think will be off the Christmas card list this year, uh, <laughs> as well as I off of his. So, uh, mm. <laughs> All I've got to say is I've got my contacts pulled up on my phone right now, ready to delete okay. yours. <laughs> I've got your mom's pulled up here, ready to call her and tell you how ugly you've been to me. <laughs> Mama you know Lee, Mama Lee will Mama stand for Lee, that. I will tell on you, and I, there's not a doubt in my mind that she will drive to South Carolina and whoop you if I ask her to. No, there's no doubt in my mind either. She would be, she would load up in her little Nissan Versa and shag all the way out here. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, you know, I'm excited about tonight. You know, unfortunately, we do root for different teams, but for y'all, fortunately, because that's going to make for some good content. Because I, I have zero doubts that we're going to disagree on every single thing. Every possible way we could disagree tonight. We're both going to project the other team to go 0-12 and 0-8 and in the conference. And I'm just looking forward to us being rational in our defenses of our team as well as the judgment of one another. So, uh, Drew, we'll kind of with that kind of dive into our Bucks beef and best of the week. Uh, brought to you by an unnamed sponsor. I'm doing this every week until we get somebody to sponsor our Bucks beef, best in beef uh, segment. I know somebody out there listening wants to sponsor our podcast. Help us get nicer equipment so you don't have to hear my sad country accent, Drew, mic issues, whatever the case whoa, may whoa, be. Whoa, whoa, whoa. My mic is just <laughs> fine, and your accent cannot just... be fixed. <laughs> so, so there's not, a, there's not a sponsor in the world that's got enough money to take that accent, that Kasuth accent. Maybe out of this podcast and that's too costly things, Listen, for that matter i was about to say yeah, are you the pot or the kettle because you, you and i went to the yeah. same school with the same teachers and grew up in the same area so not like one of us is going to be better but i'll go first real quick i got a couple of them. i'll start with my best because i had a best this week um as our listeners know drove home had a really good time with family you know seeing my dad and it's always tough you know his health is, is declining a little bit and uh, but it's always good to see my nephews. I got to watch Ty play in his first varsity high school football game. Had a great time at the League of Adventures Fantasy Football Draft. But my Bucks best of the week is Bucky's. Oh, dude, I love is this your me first some time? Bucky's. Oh. No, dude, I am a Bucky's pro. My my strategy is this: when I leave Myrtle Beach, I drive to the Bucky's in Florence, South Carolina. I get gas. I get a brisket sandwich, a couple snacks for the road, and, a, and some coffee, and I hit the road. I drive to the Bucky's in Leeds, Alabama, just outside of Birmingham. Wait, you do two Bucky's in one trip, bro? Again, I am a I'm a Bucky's pro at this point. I put in, uh, I get more gas, snacks, 
drinks, and then I drive on into Corinth. And so uh, Bucky's is fantastic. For our listeners in New England that may not be privy to what is the one of the greatest things the South has ever come up with, Bucky's is 120 gas pumps plus Walmart, Cracker Barrel, and the best barbecue restaurants you've run into in a while. You can get a brisket sandwich. You can get brisket tacos. You can get... They've got a whole section of nothing but beef jerky, just hundreds of pounds of beef jerky. You've got all the desserts, snacks, and things that you could possibly think of, in addition to a full country store with clothing, memorabilia, Christmas decor, kitchen items, fishing supplies. You name it, Bucky's has it. It's one of the best things to ever come out of Texas. It is my Buck's Best of the Week. Bucky's, if you're listening, you can sponsor this segment for all I care. Love me some you wanna, Bucky's. You want to disagree <laughs> right off the bat here? Uh, you don't like Bucky's? <laughs> Listen, Get out of here. Uh, this is an old Miss fan. Bucky's is great. Okay? You go into Bucky's, it's got everything you need and most of what you want. Okay? It's a $200 yeah, don't, store. Don't get me wrong. It's great. However, the problem with Bucky's is the same thing that is the problem with like major college athletics on a game day. You can't park. It's a logistical nightmare. Once I sat trying to get out of a Bucky's parking lot for one and a half hours, it is like mm. people that go to Bucky's and worship Bucky's ruin Bucky's. You know what I'm saying? Like mm. the experience yeah. was just awful. And I think I start, I think when the last time I went, when I had my worst experience, was the one on the coast of Alabama in, uh, in, in Foley. Foley. And I think it like just opened. So, like, you know. Mm. All the Bammers in their Walmart Alabama gear was just like flooding that Bucky's for a brisket. You know, these are the people that <laughs> yep. don't use it as a truck stop or a stop on the way, but they just go get them lunch at the Bucky's. You mm. know, that's you're probably right. You're probably right. It was like that when Florence first opened. Our good friend of the podcast, Lauren Massey, and his wife Stacy. Uh, his wife's got family from Texas, so they've been to some of the original Bucky's out in Texas. And they went to the grand opening and got their picture made with Bucky the Beaver, their actual mascot, and they were there when it opened. And it was a madhouse. But I'll say this. Their gas is usually about 20 to 25 cents cheaper per gallon, mostly because they buy in bulk, I'm sure. Well, yeah, look at the place. Um, they buy everything in bulk. <laughs> in bulk, absolutely. But, like, I mean, it's a $200 store, Drew. It's one of those places that you can't go in and not drop $200 because you'll walk but in. See, like, I'm just going to get negative. coffee and pee. What are you talking about? That's not a positive. I mean, I, it's not. It's not. But I'll walk in to pee and, I'll, and get coffee. Coffee, and I'll come out with a new blanket, a cutting board, some socks, Pack of like beef all jerky. this crap. <laughs> yeah, the beaver <laughs> nuggets, like the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, our friend Lauren, who was has getting his second mention in this podcast already today, bought my daughter for her first birthday a Bucky's outfit, and so uh, <laughs> Haley went and got her. You know, when I get home from work, Haley's got her from daycare, and and she ran up to me the other day. And she was in the Old Navy American flag tank top. You know, they sell every 4th of July. And Bucky oh, yeah. shorts. And I was like, if that's not the most patriotic <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life, I've never seen anything patriotic. So Nothing screams Mississippi like Bucky shorts and an Old Navy American flag yeah. t-shirt. <laughs> so, uh, what about uh, your beef? And then r- yeah. real quick, yeah, my beef, man, is Swamp Kings. Uh, I just, like, it was so much I tried to warn you. It. I know, but like all it's been, it's just a, 
it's an Urban Meyer puff piece. It's all about making him not look so bad. They leave out the fact that 41 players have been arrested. They don't talk about Riley Cooper, the racist. They don't talk about the Pouncey brothers driving around town, knocking people out. They mentioned wearing Aaron Hernandez in passing the, one time. The Pouncey brothers wearing a free Aaron hat in yeah, practice. You know? Absolutely. Aaron And Aaron Hernandez was questioned in a shooting in 2007. They never talk about it. They interviewed Chris Rainey and for like a good yeah. chunk of it. And never once mentioned him texting his girlfriend, time to die. Like, they leave out so much. There's so much left on the vine. And, like, I get it. Maybe you want to be positive in this. But don't pick a controversial team and topic like the Florida Gators if you're not going to deep dive into what made them those teams. Tebow was great. Those teams were good football teams. But Urban Meyer had no control over that program. And it feels like, and I'll shut up after this, but it feels like they're trying to – revamp his career you know it was a disaster in jacksonville with that bar incident with that chick it was a disaster leaving florida he quote unquote had a heart attack right i don't know about that Uh, it's just a disaster and this felt like a pr stunt to try to erase people's memories of that make people think oh urban's a good guy so he can resurface at a job i'll tell you what i watched that and didn't think urban was a good guy (laughs) you know and so this is a Hmm. urban puff piece then he's a really bad dude so yeah i, I yeah, tried to warn I just, you uh aside from just the lack of detail when it comes to the real scandals that surrounded the university of florida from 07 to 09 it it, a lot. it just the lack of details it was just boring yeah. you know and it's a problem with documentaries you know if you're going to do a documentary on something you know the story's there you've got to tell the story not everything yeah. else but a lot of times when you do these people will sign on to do documentaries they will shape the narrative and the storyline around who they can get to support their stories and so it's obvious mm-hmm. that if they were to tell the full Aaron Hernandez story or really deep dive into that they were not going to get Tebow to cooperate they were not going to get Urban Meyer no. to cooperate nobody was going to talk no. and so it's almost like in order to actually have a documentary they had to tone it down and leave out parts so that they can get people to actually participate in the telling of this story. Which, from a football aspect, I disagree. I think it's a cool – like, it, from a football aspect, I remember those teams. They were good. They had some good players. Brandon Siler was a good player. Brandon Spikes. Like, from a football documentary, it's not bad. But knowing the full story, it makes me not like it because I understand, like, what happened in that time, and they leave out so yeah, much. the player that got arrested right before the ACC championship game and – you know, Carlos yeah. Dunlap, he got a DUI. He was asleep in his car at a red yeah. light. And so, of course, what I remember about that is when Ole Miss stopped Tebow and in, that, in the mm. swamp that game. I remember jumping on top of my dad watching that at home because, you know, you yeah. knew it was one of those plays. You knew what was coming. It was fourth and one. They were out of field goal yeah. range. They were down by one. And you knew Tebow was coming in and going to ram it up your throat. And as soon as the ball was snapped, seemed like four Ole Miss defensive linemen were in the backfield, and I lost my mind. Yep. But that's if you're just going to talk about the football team and the successes and failures mm-hmm. from 2007, 2009, that's like a one episode documentary. Make that. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, they could They, they didn't need yeah, four, four episodes to tell that story, and 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 State beat them in that 2010. What ended up being Urban Meyer's last year, Dan Mullen's first year in Starkville. It was Dan. It ended up Urban Meyer left after that. They didn't um, even touch that. They, but like. Mm-mm. They left all yeah. that out, and it was an abysmal and See, that's season. another Again, thing they left out. We were a out. bad Mississippi State. We were a bad state yeah. team that year and beat, went to Florida and That's beat another them. thing they left out is 
one of the if you're not going to get into like the nastiness of that team and the headlines that surrounded it, the year post Tebow would have been interesting to me because mm-hmm. I don't remember much oh, about that. And Tebow was such a cultural phenomenon that that was so much bigger than college football, and he was such a polarizing figure for his stance on faith and his outspokenness about it. And uh, it would have been really cool because we got to see, you know, kind of how he meshed with Chris Leak and then how he ultimately mm. took over when Leak left. But the year after Tebow mm. left was just left open and Obermeyer was still the coach. For one, not to mention he tried to retire and came back a month later. And so mm-hmm. He faked yeah. that heart attack or, had, excuse me, had that heart attack during the SEC championship game. They talked him into coming back. He didn't have Dan Mullen. 09 was Dan Mullen's first season in Starkville, my senior year. And then he had, like, a completely new coaching staff, and it just didn't work. It just showed how much Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen were co-authors of that offense. And that 2010 team was awful. Again, we were a terrible Mississippi State team. We went down there and beat them 10-7. to Um, Vic Ballard, Chris Ralph. When Chris Ralph's your quarterback and you're beating teams, you're not. That's not a great thing. Um, And so that 10 team would have been, I agree, a great next episode, just what happened in that last year. But they couldn't do that because it didn't reflect reflect positively on Urban Meyer. Yeah, so my Buck's best of the week, because we're going to keep talking about documentaries. And I watched one, and I told you to watch it, and I'm sure you hadn't had a chance chance to watch it. Not yet. But everything that Swamp Kings was not – BS High on HBO talking about the Bishop Sycamore High School scandal in 21 was it was it made up for everything that Swamp Kings was not it is the single best football documentary I may have ever seen it centers around Roy Johnson who is the head coach of this fake high school and is just the ultimate ultimate Bernie Madoff level con man and they get him, mm. and they sit him down, and he tells all, and you can see it by his responses, and he is still working this con. And he one of the lines, one of the best-made lines of that show was he looked in the camera, and they asked him, they said, are you a liar? And he said, I am uh, I, I'm the uh, most truthful liar you will ever see. So... Basically, he went on later to say that he only lies about things that can't be proven, and uh, he will own up to lies that can be he can be proven wrong about. So if you've got facts that show that he's a liar, he will own up to it. But if you can't prove it, he will never own up to the stick. He will never own up to the lie that he has told. Uh, he filed a bunch of PPP loans against his players to fund the program and then saddled the players with a whole bunch of debt. He stuck bills with hotels. One of the genius things he did was the hotel that he was putting his players up at for the duration of the season told him that he could pay it back over 90 days. And so he said, well, the uh, season only lasts about 90 days, so I'm just not going to pay it. And that's what he did. <laughs> so, uh, and it, It's just in master class in conmanship. Uh, it, it should be – I mean, should I, teach a study in it. It's definitely something I'm going to watch. Um, I, I can't wait to watch that one because that's such a wild story because they go from just obscurity to playing IMG, one of the most premier prep high schools in the country. I mean, they got the doors yeah, blown off of them. 58 to nothing. And that's when, that's when it really started. And that's the whole thing of it. 
is that if they wouldn't, if he wouldn't have gotten too big for his britches and scheduled IMG, he'd have probably still been doing mm-hmm. it today. There's playing there's local Ohio teams that are good, but like not of IMG's caliber. That he'd still probably be the coach. Yeah. You're absolutely because right. Ohio is such a football state, and they take such pride in their football programs, and you know the U uh, or Ohio State and uh, and their high school programs. That when they got mm-hmm. embarrassed on national television, that's when they started looking yeah. into it. That's, that's what, yeah. So I mean, so if you're going to the, con people, you know, stay small time. Keep yeah. it small. <laughs> that's it. Don't don't get big. We saw the Tim Donaghy documentary. Like when you start getting too big for your britches, is when you get right. busted in these cons. Right. So, um, my Bucks beef. Um, I uh, just to get a little sentimental and sad just to change gears real quick for just a brief second we've always been super real on this podcast and told you guys where we're at um late uh monday night uh my boss my uh mentor at work uh the guy that i was hired to replace at tip electric as the engineer uh passed away way too soon at 64 after dealing with a lengthy illness that um started out as pretty routine uh, back to two and a half years ago, I started full time at Tip Electric, and uh, when they hired me, they knew that Danny, Danny was his name. Danny was on his way out. He was getting ready to retire, and he needed to to have a protege, to have a replacement uh, to fill his shoes, and to be the engineer of Tip Electric going forward. And I was offered that position. And a lot of people, when they know they're training their replacement you know they could be pretty bitter about that you know there there's kind of an old uh an old way of thinking that it that's i'm gonna teach you almost everything i know but if i teach you everything i know then you'll replace me kind of thing you'll you'll i can't (laughs) Mm -hmm. teach you everything i know or you'll make more money than me danny was not that he truly treated me as an equal as a he was mr miyagi to me being daniel's son and uh he really, from the time that I got there, poured into me uh, everything that he knew, which was way more than I could have ever absorbed in the amount of time that I got. Um, and so after about four or five months of a prolonged illness, he passed away on uh, Monday night or very early Tuesday morning. Um, and it's got us all in a kind of a funk here. Um, this podcast helps. Getting to talk with my best friend about football uh, always helps. But being around the office the last couple of days has been kind of hard because uh, you miss him, and he was—he grew to be so much more than just a mentor at work. You know, the guy that you know, my, he wasn't just like my boss, or he wasn't, you know, just the guy that's training me. But uh, he became very friendly. He became a friend. You know, as as close of a friend that. I could be to a 64-year-old man with grandkids, you know. Uh, He helped me change – he helped me fix a washing machine. He helped me rewire my basement when we were doing a remodel. Um, He He's helped me move furniture. He would always ask me about my wife and children, you know, and was always very um, curious to see how everybody was doing, and especially with the whole process of fostering children. Uh, It's – he just meant the world to me and I'm very very sad he's gone um and so just wanted to uh that's my beef for the week there's no real way to to 
I'm not a mm. professional podcaster. I'm not going to be able to to make a silky exit out of this. Just uh, going <laughs> to miss the fella, um, and uh, that's that's my beef for this week. Well, listen, on the Two Bucks Sports Podcast, we recognize great men and great people in our lives. You know, our first episode was dedicated to our good buddy, Keith, who passed away from brain cancer. So tonight's episode in State Ole Miss, uh, apparently Danny was a big state fan. So tonight is for you, yeah. sir. Hail State for me. I know I Drew say can't it. say that, but we'll raise yeah. our glass to uh, to Danny for tonight. Yeah. Um, so to you, buddy. Oh, we were joking in the warehouse because he was always I'm, – I'm vastly outnumbered within the engineering community <laughs> – but even like at our warehouse, it's the everyman kind of guy, blue, blue collar, collar team, folks man. that are at the warehouse with me, and they all skew Mississippi State except for a few of them who had good parents. Uh, and uh, <laughs> we're yeah. blue collar team, and, man. Uh, we were. I was kind of joking today. They had made his funeral arrangements, and uh, he is his funeral is Saturday at eleven o'clock. And I said, that's just like Danny. Stick it to me one more time. <laughs> Make me miss the opening kickoff of the Ole Miss game. That's exactly what he would have wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, because the only game that matters on Saturday, and Danny would agree, kicks off at 3 p.m. Central, 4 yeah. p.m. Eastern. So he wants to make sure the good people are home <laughs> to watch it. their Bulldogs that's take it. on southeastern yeah. Louisiana. Yeah. So, All right. So uh, Yeah, but to yeah. Danny. Miss you, man. All right. So, uh, we did a couple Instagram, we did an Instagram poll and a couple, uh, we saw where our viewers and friends of the podcast stood on our take last week for where we projected our team. So, uh, first up, I saw a, a graphic that was college football's best tailgating experience. So I'll run through the top 10 real quick and then we'll roll through our viewers, uh, responses, by the way. I just want y'all to know this is a podcast for the people. I am currently in the middle of. Uh, well, at this point, it's probably a tropical storm. Idalia is hitting Myrtle Beach, Myrtle's Inlet, specifically where I'm living at right now. So if something happens, and our podcast is cut short tonight because my power goes out, just know something's going to happen. We'll get, a, <laughs> we'll get an episode out. But if you're hearing this episode, that means we're good. I'm on the same grid as Waccamaw Hospital, so hopefully that means I'll be good. But just an FYI, if you're still listening to this version, congratulations to me, I guess, because I kept power yeah, all night. I mean, if we go out... <laughs> There'll just be a real awkward cut, and then we'll pick it up tomorrow night or something. We're not professional podcasters. Up. We're also not professional sound <laughs> engineers, so it will not be seamless, but we will have two halves if Listen, we have to. <laughs> when you have a physical therapist that graduated high school at Kossuth, college at Mississippi State, as your sound engineer, there's a good chance it's going to be a redneck yeah, podcast. And I am an engineer. as <laughs> a graduate from Mississippi State, but the wrong kind. <laughs> I'm a former <laughs> rock and roll star and an engineer, yeah, but, but not a sound engineer. <laughs> but on the stage, that's it. You're on the stage, man. You were making the ladies swoon, not making the no, sounds no. better. <laughs> I was responsible for my four strings, and that's it. <laughs> All right, the top ten according to uh, – I forget which where I got this. Anyway, shout out graphic, to BBB. And the graphic had Ole Miss at number one. So if you're not using that one, then you're using the wrong one. That's okay. the one that I posted to our story. Number one was Ole Miss. Number two was South Carolina. Three, West Virginia. Four, LSU. Five, Wisconsin. Six, Iowa State. Seven, your Mississippi State Bulldogs. Number eight, Georgia. Nine, Nebraska. Ten, Tennessee Volunteers. So that's your top ten tailgating experiences in college football. Yeah, so that's a garbage list. Number one, You're a garbage number one's list. right, obviously. Uh, Mississippi State's too low. LSU's way too low. It. 
Wait, too, too low? low? I agree. Mississippi State's yeah, too that's low. What I said. That, that's what I said. Oh, Mississippi okay. State's that, too That's low. not what you said in our comments. Oh, okay. yeah. I was okay. just being a jerk. <laughs> I'm about to say, man, because like, I had this whole montage. Like I'm going to get that's fired why, up about the that's junction exactly here. That's exactly why All I right. said it. <laughs> well, it worked. <laughs> I've been stewing on this no, ever since I saw State that pop up. <laughs> LSU is too yeah. low. Uh, yeah. The only thing I can tell you, because I obviously have not been – I don't think I've been to a away college fo- like a true away college football game. I've only been to bowl games mm-hmm. and games in Oxford. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. so it's I have something to say yeah, about this. So list, just from my opinion, uh, just from mm-hmm. I only know what I hear and what I see. I've mm-hmm. never heard a single thing about the tailgate atmosphere at South Carolina or West Virginia, and they're three and mm-hmm. two and three. I, I actually have firsthand knowledge of both of those. Okay. I have been I have been to Ole Miss, South Carolina, West Virginia, LSU, obviously Mississippi State, and Tennessee. Can confirm South Carolina is way too high. Their in stadium experience fantastic, right, right. it's great. But tailgating, I wasn't super impressed with. Like we went to a brewery, kind of knocked around town a little bit. Just wasn't really all that impressed with it. There were little pockets here but and there, to, but not the number two. You can't two. make in game experience. Uh, you can't bake that no. into the score for tailgating experience. No. The Ole Miss's in-game West Virginia? experience is pretty poor compared to right. the top tier. The yeah. tailgate. And, Absolutely. But, I'll but agree. tailgating is elite, top-notch, number one, period. Tailgating at the Grove, absolutely the top one or two experiences in college football. I haven't experienced anything else. I've been to the Grove. So, for me, it is number one. It's a great, great experience. I think Mississippi State's the top three or four. It's the fair. Junction is it's a phenomenal fair. college football experience. It's a great place to tailgate. The dog walk, the food, the crawfish bowls, everything is fantastic. It's great. West Virginia is the top three or four experience. Okay. Those Mountaineers love their football. It is wild. They are belligerently drunk by 11 o'clock in the morning just for Pat White to go go for right. about 3.30 on you. And just a great college football experience. I love my time in Morgantown. It was awesome. LSU, same. I imagine Wisconsin probably is, they're too, since they're one, of the top, <laughs> yeah. they're one of the top two or three party schools in the country. They're going to party hard. Um, and Neyland Stadium, same thing, man. Between the Vol Navy, between the students, that was an elite game day experience. Yeah, but they were and like, Mississippi That's, State, you know, like, we're not – Yeah, and they need to be up higher. That's what I'm saying. Like, they're definitely probably top seven, maybe top five elite college football experience they were passionate there was a ton of food they were feeding us as we were coming through like it was great it was a great experience and then Tennessee turned out kicked our butt but I'll say this I've never been more annoyed at a college football like fan base than I've been to Arkansas no than Rocky Top I went so I've seen Ole Miss play Tennessee at home and even on the road that band plays Rocky Top a thousand times dude Imagine it's, being in dude, Neyland. Let me hot take. Top three fight a, song in football. Oh, it's so good. I'm going to agree. So I'm good. going to agree, even though I hate yeah. Tennessee. But they played after every first down. They played after every touchdown. They Then they have this pep band that pops up over here in this corner. Then they're oh, over so here in this awesome. corner. Then they're oh, down here. Awesome. And they play the chorus. Like, I promise it's you, just dude, the if we number, heard that chorus once. It's the once, sheer quantity in which they that's play. That's it. If – if I heard it once, I heard it seventy-one times that night, and maybe we should have stopped them more. I give you that, but you. like I've not, oof. I watched Ole Miss beat the brakes off of them. It was the Dexter McCluster game uh, when Lane mm-hmm. was the coach at Tennessee, and Dexter went for mm-hmm. four hundred yards or whatever, mm-hmm. and they still never stopped playing that song and just getting drugged. So I was like, I was, yeah, they're committed to the bit, so I appreciate that. But 
No. Even as a Vols fan, if you were to be getting beat like that, I wouldn't even want to hear, like, just stop. Just please Mm -hmm. stop. Well, this was the Crooms last year. This was 08. We went to Neyland, and they beat us like 31 to 14, and they played it all night long. And Neyland is built in the perfect way, shape of a bowl, that all that noise Uh comes straight down. There's no getting out. It just comes straight down to the field. You can't hear anything. All you can hear is Rocky Top. And I'll say this. You know what else comes straight down at Neyland Stadium? Golf balls and mustard bottles. Uh, (laughs) Golf balls and mustard. I was about to say it. Yes. I'll say this. Tennessee's hype video this year, they did a slow version of Rocky Top. Have you seen no, that? I haven't. I'll see if I can find it and post it to our, our Instagram. No, we're not polluting our Instagram. Do that on your personal no, Twitter. No, no. Elite hype video. <laughs> no, it ain't coming from that. The only thing I posted is too much. It's an elite hype video, man, just with this, like, haunting female version of Rocky Top showing some highlights from last year. Elite hype yeah. video. Elite. But – our listeners said, I just asked, like, what's your, what's your thoughts on this list? And my moronic co-host here said Mississippi State is too high. I'm glad you have seen a, a better way and, and reneged on you that know, statement. I went to college there. For, I had spent, I guess it was five semesters. It was what it took to get my degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I only went to the junction one time, and it was with you. I, oh, I, yeah, I for the LSU game. game. And it made me very happy that LSU just beat the brakes off of you guys. Well, no, nah, it was 16-13 at halftime. tell me what it was at the half. That's not a close game. <laughs> That's a close half. That was that 9 <laughs> team. Yeah, we took Keith, our good buddy down there, and we met Drew at his little uh, little, little duplex. Is that I what you was, were in? Uh, It was a house with an apartment out back. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so, what it was. Yeah. That's what it was. And we tailgated, had a great time tailgating, and then the game happened. So, anyway. Um, one of our listeners, Debbie Ware, said season four, episode nine of the Gilmore Girls. Uh, I had to look that up. Not familiar yeah. with said The next thing. episode I watched uh, the all- Gilmore Girls will be the first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is the Harvard-Yale football game. Can't confirm or deny whether that's but, good tailgating, tailgating experience, but I feel like it but, would be. I mean, sure. But if you're just going to say it's one game a year, then I don't. you can't be in the top ten. Like, yeah. One game is different than a One game a year, experience. it's the cocktail party. You know, but no. that doesn't count for the rest, of, you know, as a whole season. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, moving right along. Kayla Helms, my coworker, is a graduate of uh, Virginia Tech High School. And so she asked why Virginia Tech isn't on this uh, list. Ask yourself that. <laughs> exactly. It's Virginia yeah. Tech. What else Again, do we need to say? Great, great in game experience. But nobody's ever heard Inner of Sandman. Fantastic. the tailgate experience outside of Blacksburg, no. Virginia. I mean, that's it. But Inner Sandman is an elite entrance. It's fantastic. Right. But 10 out of 10. Absolutely. I can't confirm or deny about the tailgating experience. Uh, Cousin Kirk, one of the big fans of the podcast, just said, eh. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> that's about right. And then finally, Amy Roach Smith, another friend of the podcast, friend of mine from back Bear. home, she said, Hell, she said, HYDR. Right. And we all know what yeah. that stands for. Uh, that means she's a rev. She's good people. Her she, mama. She's a rebel. Her mama was my kindergarten teacher at Oakland Baptist Church. Same. She got me in trouble one time. I didn't get myself in trouble. She told Mama Lee about me talking and getting put in time out at the fire department downtown <laughs> Corinth, Mississippi. And I was mad at her for a while. I remember she leaned in Mama's little car and said, Rusty had to be put in time out today because he wouldn't stop talking. And I know our listeners are surprised by that, but I'll always remember that, Mama Vicky. No. Anyway. 
So we asked our listeners what they thought about how the different teams that we looked at last week, how they were going to do. So we were an even split on Auburn, 50-50 on the over-under. Over-under being six and a half wins. We were an even split across our listeners. I think you and I both took the under at six and six on that. And our our listeners were 50-50. On A&M, we had uh, 86% voting the over under on seven and a half wins seven and a half wins being the over under 86 percent of our listeners agreed with i believe with us i know i had them on the under uncle buck had them on the under 86 percent of y'all are smart and paying attention i'm really proud of that one nice job guys 86 percent of the people voted the under next up i was a little surprised by this um I'm, a, I'm fairly high on Kentucky going into this year. I don't know why. Uh, maybe I'm buying into the hype. Aaron Ivey may have talked me into this. I'm drinking that blue Kool-Aid out of Lexington. But UK is – the over-under on UK's wins was six and a half, which might be a little bit low. I think Kentucky's a better team than six and a half wins. But I was shocked by this, Uncle Buck. Of our listeners, the over-under being six and a half on Kentucky, we both took yeah, the over. Right We're both high on Kentucky. 100% of our smart listeners voted the over oh, on wow. the Kentucky Wildcats. 100%. I thought Yeah, Kentucky, I mean, you know, I was shocked. You know, historical Kentucky people expect them to be a doormat, but they've been really good. Mark mm-hmm. Stoops is really good. He is. And like but the thing is with Kentucky, like they'll have like an 8-9 win season and then they'll have 3 or 4 where they win 6 or 7. But our listeners apparently they agree did. with us. I'm high on Kentucky, you're high on Kentucky and our listeners agree. Six and a half is probably low because even if you hit seven and five, which is an average SEC season, you hit the over. I had them having eight wins this year. I think you had them at seven or eight wins. That's still the over, and our smart listeners agree. For Florida, again, our listeners are smart, man. They're really paying attention, and they know college football because the over-under on Florida was five and a half. You and I both took the under on Florida. Our listeners took the under on Florida with 60% of the voters voting the under on the Florida Gators to finish it under uh, five and a half and wins. Like, I think they'll have five that wins had and that's to have it. Been, like these polls, that's like 500 people that's voting on these, right? Yeah, Absolutely. So. I mean, these are international yeah, yeah. polls. Absolutely. <laughs> we haven't talked about our folks from, uh, was it Belgium yet? Yeah, Belgium. I hope they're still doing good. I do too. They're still downloading. We still get two downloads in Brussels, Belgium every week. So shout out to you, Belgianese, Belgianins, Belgionians, Belgionians. Shout out to y'all for still keeping up with the Two Bucks Sports Podcast. Last two, our faithful listeners voted 60% on the under on Missouri. I think we both had Missouri at the under. I think five and six wins is what we had taken. uh, Our our listeners voted 60% on the under. And hapless Vanderbilt, who struggled with Hawaii this past week. It was just a snooze fest. Did you watch any of that game? Are you kidding me? It was Vanderbilt and Hawaii, and there was a weather delay. No, I didn't watch any of it. <laughs> and the scoreboard was held up by a yeah. crane. That's just funny. <laughs> I was listening to the – I know you are a big Steve Robertson fan of the Boneyard Podcast. I, I was listening to him, him today and, like – can, can you imagine being one of those athletes and you're all hyped up, you're listening to your coach, you're ready to go play your first college football game of the season and you run out of that tunnel and there's screws like on the 1,200 people there <laughs> and there's, yeah, and there's screws on the ground, the scoreboard is hosted up by a crane and there's just nobody yeah. there. Like, that's got to be demoralizing and part of the reason why, other than Vandy being a terrible football team, why they didn't play very well. Can't but go 12-0 if you don't start 1-0, Rusty. 
<laughs> That's it. Hey, they're first place in the there SEC right now, and first place. Congratulations. And our listeners voted 60% on the under. Mandy's going to have under three and a half wins. Our listeners are smart once again. I think I went over there. <laughs> I think I had them beating Florida again, you know? No, I did you did. You I think did. I had them at four and eight. I had them at three and nine, so shout out to me for being smart like our listeners. And they're going to a bowl game this year. <laughs> <laughs> they're right, so let's bad. get to what we're all here for. Well, okay. hang on. I, I've been enjoying this segment. Okay. I've got one Go last thing before we delay the inevitable. I'm trying to make this podcast last as long as I can before it's the last one. <laughs> the light's at the I've end actually... of the tunnel, Rusty. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually got two stats okay. of the week, just in case we don't have any more episodes. i got two stats of the week for you. One of them is a pseudo-trivia okay. question. Drew, there has been one player that has had the most – Major League Baseball, because we do Major League Baseball stats because they're the most fun. The most Major League Baseball seasons without being caught stealing is 10 seasons. Now, they've stole at least one base in 10 consecutive seasons without getting caught. Who is that player? Is it a current player? No. Albert Pujols. Ah, because mm-hmm. he used to steal a base every once in a while. Uh it's, you're you're thinking it's the right not, direction, it's but it's not Albert Pujols. Because my next mm-hmm. guess is not a current like player, Anthony Rizzo. But mm-hmm. uh, you're thinking in the right direction, yeah, but it's I, not I mean, this Pujols isn't or a Rizzo. Stat. It's not Ricky no, Henderson, or even, it's not. If you're trying to steal seventy bases a year, you're going to get thrown out. You know. Yeah, I mean Acuna's yeah. got sixty steals or fifty steals, so sixty steals so far this year, and he's been caught right. once or twice. Um, oh man, I mean, you're going to have to be more specific than this. Uh, he was a mid '90s, played for four different teams. He was he peaked in the mid '90s from the late '80s to the early late '90s, early 2000s. He peaked in the mid '90s. Jim told me. <laughs> I'm trying to remember how many teams he he's played. He's not for. a positional player. Okay, so he's a DH. So he's a pitcher. Oh, oh. he's a pitcher. He's a pitcher from the '90s. Well, when you told me I was on he's the right been... track with Pujols and Rizzo, that doesn't make me think it's no, no. a pitcher. I think he's a slow Well, I'm trying to position. throw you off a little bit. I don't want you to pick it out. <laughs> and you're also thinking in the right direction of not being a, yeah, a yeah. consistent I base dealer. And this this man was smart. He was known for painting corners. His high-end fastball was oh, probably well, 88, now, 89 now miles an too hour. Many hands. It's Greg Maddox. It's Greg <laughs> Maddox. He had 10 seasons where he stole at least one base and didn't get caught. <laughs> Greg Maddox is the all-time base dealer. <laughs> you know. It was probably just like his fastball. He ran just perfectly and touched the bag just precisely. Just painted the corner That's of it. that second base bag. And or it was a pass ball. <laughs> That's the only two explanations. Yeah, it was controversial. Is that a pass ball or is it a Absolutely. Uh, That's it. The other. Yeah. So my other stat for you, and this is a Tony Gwynn, a pro Tony Gwynn podcast. We've made that well established on here. I love me some Tony Gwynn, one of the greatest baseball players of all time. On August 25th, 2023, across all Major League Baseball teams, there were 253 strikeouts in one day across all Major League Baseball teams. August 25th, 253 strikeouts. Tony Gwynn, over his last eight seasons, so eight seasons of 162 games. Seven times. (laughs) 124. 
across eight seasons, <laughs> and we had 253 on August 25th. Yeah, that's dumb. <laughs> uh, we do make regular mention of Shohei Otani, so RIP. The Angels have just decided they've given up. They dropped. They cut your boy Renfro, Randall Gritchick. They did. Everybody that was halfway decent, they just cut them. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Just let him go to greener pastures. If you didn't know Renfro what Shohei was doing before now, you know what he's doing, you know. Yeah, yeah he gone. He ain't sticking around. And, and, and it's smart. Like, they're running him into the ground. Like, he had been having some elbow pain for a couple of weeks, What's apparently. And then, mm-hmm. and so he had that the the injury uh, last week. And, and it just really makes that one picture. I'm sure you saw it of him standing on second base with his arms folded. He's looking down. It just makes it that much right. more sad. Because he knew at that point that his UCL was gone. He's facing the second Tommy John. Uh, but shout out to the Cincinnati Reds and Ellie Dela Cruz. Did you see what they did this week? No. It was he was on second base. He had, he got a single and moved over on a walk. And they were changing, making a pitching change in Cincinnati. And all the infielders, instead of going to the pitching mound, they all come to second base where Shohei is. And Ellie Dela Cruz walks up and like pokes him <laughs> in the arm and then pinches him to see if yeah. he's real. <laughs> it was yeah. funny. So, speedy recovery to Shohei Otani. Hope you get well Don't quickly. go to the Dodgers and, or the Yankees. Uh, a lot of people are saying Seattle, man, simply because, like, the Ichiro connection, it's West Coast. Like, there's a, like it's a great place. They're a young team. They're only up and coming. Julio Rodriguez, obviously, is a good player. Again, for the betterment of baseball, Shohei, I know you listen to this show through Central your Central time zone or east. A. Yeah, that's it. A, Central time zone. B, don't go to the Dodgers. Or the Yankees. I mean, don't be a Yankee. Everybody loves you. Don't go to the Yankees. We put it off long enough. The time has come. You got your notes? To deep dive in. <laughs> I've got – where do you want to start? Do you want to start with those Ole Miss, Black Bear, Rebel, Land Sharks, or do you want to start with Mississippi State Bulldogs? It matters not to um, me. You want rock, paper, scissors for it? All right, rock, All paper, right. scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. Ready? But if you win, you decide if you go first or second. All right, Ready? sounds good. We'll go rock, paper, now, scissors, shoot. We'll announce our winners gotta, to our, po- our podcast say listeners. Say it out loud because there's a delay, okay? I got it. Ready? Rock, paper, rock, scissors, shoot. paper, scissors, shoot. You are so Drew wins. He got scissors. Thing. I threw paper. All right. There it is. Oh, is it not two out of three? Oh, right. okay. Sounds good. Two out of three. Rock, paper, rock, scissors, shoot. paper, scissors, shoot. Okay. I got rock, you got scissors. We're tied 1-1. One, one. Ready? Rock, paper, rock, scissors, shoot. paper, scissors, shoot. Scissors each. Rock, paper, Rock, scissors. Paper, scissors, shoot. Ah, he threw scissors. Three scissors. Drew wins. Three scissors, baby. Two out of week. <laughs> All right, I want to go Two out of three, last. Drew. So, uh, you right. go ahead. All I'll set right. the table so, real quick. These are the notes I have. They are 13th in the SEC in strength of schedule. So, I mean, if you don't win seven games, then you should probably be relegated to the Pac-4. <laughs> and that's it. That's all that's your it. notes. <sighs> all right. So, 2023 Mississippi State Bulldogs. I got a couple pages of note here. Drew, oh, what we'll please, do is we'll go through our notes. And then we'll finish with the Mississippi State schedule. I'll say what I think is going to happen. You say what you think is going to happen. And then we'll shift gears to the, the, the Rebel Black Bears. All right, so 2023 Mississippi State Bulldogs are returning 11 starters from a 9-4 and four team last year. Seven on offense, four and a half on Whoa. defense. We had a, a, a returning 
<laughs> no, we don't have any Drew Gans on our team. I got to represent. We have a. St- <laughs> we had a defensive starter get beat out by a transfer portal guy, but we are one of the oldest teams in the country and one of the oldest teams in the SEC. We are starting 19 out of 22 players are seniors or graduates, so we've got a very experienced team, and age wins in college football. Need I remind you, we're also the 2022 reigning Egg Bowl champs, ReliQuest Bowl champs. Zach Arnett is our new head coach. You know, this is a good opportunity to Who remind Who played me. in that? Yeah, the ReliQuest, I mean, that's it. Who played in that it's game? It's a good opportunity to, re- <laughs> yeah. to remind our listeners of the tragedy that befell the great Mississippi State University last year in losing one Mike Leach. You know, RIP to coach. It's sad to see him go. Uh, I know they've got a pretty cool – what. Should be a pretty cool tribute to him playing for before the game on Saturday. So looking forward to seeing that from afar. Uh, but RIP, Coach, you will definitely be missed in all of college football. But Zach Arnett is the only current undefeated all-time SEC head football coach. What's his record, Rusty? What and know. You can't win them all if you don't win the first one. So, he's got some experience as an SEC coordinator, but this is his first season as the head coach. He brought in Kevin Barbary from Appalachian State University uh, from the Fun Belt to be the new OC because Coach Leach ran that last year as the head coach. You know, it's been funny to see so far from the pundits and, and, and haters of the great Mississippi State University that first of it was last year, the air raid doesn't work in the SEC. It's not working. It's not catching a hold. Mike Leach needs to make a change to where now we've swung the pendulum and saying Mississippi State can't win without the air raid. They won't be the same without Mike Leach and his air raid. So which one is it? Can I comment on that? I digress. Sure. I mean, there's no proof. I mean, sure, you can't win without Mike Leach and the air raid. And he doesn't run the air raid. So two or both can be true. But the problem with that is that if he's not running the air raid, his players are still – picked and uh, recruited, he's recruited these players that are made and selected to run that offense. And, you know, mm. I mean, you can go ahead, but that's just what I was, that's my thoughts on it. You know, at one, at one point we were talking about, remember when Brett Bielema left and Chad mm-hmm. Morris came in and Chad Morris wanted to run the spread with Brett Bielema's 500-pound offensive lineman? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's, not the wrong. Reason, that's the reasoning there. Yeah, but enter Kevin Barbary, who runs a hybrid program. We brought in a couple tight ends from the transfer portal because we didn't really have a tight end under Coach Leach. He never really ran one. Brought in Rylan George. He's going to be the tight end one. He was in that stacked tight end room that featured Darnell Washington, Eric Gilbert, RIP, who got arrested again. Did you see that for breaking into a vape shop? Literally breaking in with a rock. I mean – and kicking in the door, breaking in with a rock, one of the most talented players in all of college football. Um, and it it's just a sad story. Anyway, Rylan George comes though? over. I mean, he I mean, broke he, into a vape shop. I mean, at some point, it. Is, I mean, like, sure, he's lost his way and whatnot, but he's a grown mm-hmm. man. <clears throat> right. Uh, anyway, Rylan George comes over from Georgia. He's going to be our tight end one. We brought in a tight end who we had originally recruited out of high school as a three borderline four star. Went to TCU. He's back as a grad transfer. Kevin Barbary's offensive system will work with the talent that we have. And then plus you have Will Rogers. Will Rogers, all he's done is just throw for a million yards. And part of that is under the air raid. I get that. 
Um, but he could break the all-time SEC passing record this year, for sure next year if he comes back, because he will have one more eligibility year of eligibility due to the COVID year. Um, but he's just a leader. He's a winner. He's competitive. You know, Will Rogers is a is he the best quarterback in the SEC? No. Is he the best quarterback in the SEC West? No. But he's a good, serviceable quarterback who wins football games and puts you in a good opportunity to win games. That's fair. It's fair. It's also fair to wonder how he will do in another system. I mean, I don't disagree because there is so much unknown with Kevin Barbary. But what will like help is having opposite. Uh, well, not total opposite. You said it's a hybrid. You know, it's a hybrid. It's more so of a pro a style, but it's a hybrid. <laughs> Tongue in cheek, there, people. You know, <laughs> so, uh, yes, absolutely. Don't don't yeah, get in our comments. Yeah, we're, we're just we're messing around here. Politics, just making jokes. No, uh, but you know, it does make you wonder if any part of this hybrid offense is under center. Sure, you've got you wonder what he's going to look like under. It's not. Kevin Barbary has come out and said, "I don't know where this under center rumor is coming from. We don't run the ball under center." That's fair. So, I mean, I'm sure there'll be some packages that may have some of that. But Kevin Barbary runs shotgun and pistol, which pistol is not under center. It's a shorter shotgun snap, but it's not under center. And he said that there may be some unique circumstances where we put Will under center. Um, He also kind of. Yeah, sure. Third and long. Why not? He also kind of slyly mentions Mike Wright in that in that conversation and then kind of digressed. But we'll see what happens with some of those packages. But what's going to help Will Rogers is we have four or five offensive linemen returning from last year's team. Of our five starting offensive linemen, four are seniors, one is a grad transfer. So we've got some depth and some, some experience on that offensive line. Also, need I remind you that the air raid offense last year with, again, four of these offensive linemen and one Woody Marks, who's going to be your RB1, outrushed both Alabama and Ole Miss last year in our football games. Don't know if you remember that or not, but we outrushed both of them as the air raid attack where we don't run the football. Anyway. Okay, I don't want to get in the weeds and all this, but it's obvious why in those games he rushed more. It's because you drop eight. If you can't rush against drop eight, then you're just you're trash. It works. I'm just reporting the facts. But we'll get to we'll get to those two games here in a minute when we talk about the Mississippi State defense and what they did to both of those okay. teams. But anyway, I digress. So we outgained all of our opponents except for LSU, Kentucky, and Georgia. And in all those games, we were competitive until late. We were a couple turnovers away from beating Kentucky. We hung with LSU until midway through the fourth quarter, and Georgia, we were in it at halftime. Again, two quarters of football, but still. We dominated Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Auburn yards last year, and we're returning most of that offensive production, bringing seven guys back. So our offense is going to be fine. Offense I'm not too worried about. Defense I'm not worried about either. We still have our defensive coordinator. He's just now the head ball coach. And on that defense, we're returning four and a half, roughly, starters. Uh, we brought in some transfers. We also have a freshman in Isaac Smith who will be our starting safety by the end of the year and is a just a ball hawk from Itawamba High School, one of our rival high schools that Kasuth played back when I was there. Um, kid's a ball hawk. He's six foot 205 as a freshman, got a big frame, and just will be the starting safety by the end of the year. Only reason he's not right now is because he's a freshman. DeCambrian Richardson's back at, at, at cornerback, but I'll give you this. Our secondary is where we're going to have the most questions. That's where the most issues lie. But what's going to help that is our defensive line. 
Jaden Crumbody's back from injury. He's our next NFL defensive tackle. He's finally healthy. He's playing good football this fall camp. Again, he's healthy. We have Nathan Pickering up front, who's a four-year starter. Returning the SEC's top two returning tacklers from last year. And Nathan Book Watson was number one. Jet Johnson, number two, by one tackle. And, you know, you made a comment at the end of the season when I mentioned they were coming back that, oh, they're coming back for a reason. Some dudes are just great college football players. See Tim Tebow. See Dexter McCluster. There's some dudes that just peak in college. And that may be these guys. But that doesn't mean that they're not workhorses and absolute studs right now in college. Jet Johnson is again been return- for eight years. Somebody he check has, his from Tupelo High School. <laughs> He's got the one that says, I, I am 12. 12. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> um, but I'll start winding down. Our defense is we held 10 out of 13 opponents last year to under their season average in yards, including Ole Miss's vaunted rushing attack, who had just maybe the week or two prior rushed for 480-something yards on Arkansas, held them to 78 yards on 39 carries. We held Illinois in the bowl game to 28 yards on 22 carries, and we're returning the vast majority of our front seven that's going to be there to help stop that run again this year. Our defense will be very good. It's still our net scheme again this year. We recruited players that fit that 3-3-5 kind of hybrid defense that he runs. Defense is going to be elite this year. I'll wind down with this before we get into our schedule and our picks. I'm passionate about this. I'm fired up because, like, every – it's obvious that the pundits and the national news media did no homework when it came to Mississippi State. Here's why I'll tell you that. We have eight home games for the first time in, in, in university history. Never in our 100-plus years of football have we ever had eight home games like we have this year. We have four winnable road games. We play at South Carolina, at Arkansas, Auburn, and A&M. Those are all winnable games. Will we win all of them? Absolutely not. I don't think so. But they are winnable games. Our non-conference slate is one of the easiest we've had previously with an FCS opponent, Arizona, Western Michigan, and Southern Miss. A very winnable non-conference game. We get Alabama and LSU at home. Do I think we'll beat them? Probably not. I like to talk a little crap last week when I was talking about Alabama and LSU. But I think we could upset Alabama, but do I think we do? Absolutely not. But we are better than Arkansas. We are better than Auburn. We should be better than USC. But those will be challenging games on the road. You look at our schedule, Kentucky and State. The home team is in the last they are the home team is 5 and 0 in the last 10 games. So whoever's at home wins that game and we're at home against Kentucky. So the last time Mississippi State was winless in the SEC, like I've seen us projected twice, was 1988. You're telling me that this team with 19 seniors out of 22 is the worst Mississippi State team in 35 years. The last time we won less than three SEC games was 2011. So you're telling me this is the worst Mississippi State team since that, that Dan Mullen early team 12 years ago. The last time we won less than six total games outside of the COVID year, which was a weird year anyway, was 2009, Dan Mullen's first year. So you're telling me this is the worst Mississippi State team in 14 years? Absolutely not. It tells me you didn't do your homework on our schedule, what we have coming back, and I question your knowledge about college football. This team has too much veteran leadership and experience to be that bad. We're eager to honor Coach Leach while turning a new page for Zach Arnett. And if you see a team that goes 0-8 in the SEC, sir, I need your credentials because that is an awful, awful take. Anyway, again, I'm passionate about this. I'm fired up about this. The more research I did for this podcast, getting ready for the season, I'm fired up and ready to play Southeastern Louisiana on Saturday at 3 o'clock Central. Bam. Yeah. I hope you are psyched to play Southeastern Louisiana. <laughs> Just ready to get it started, man. You know, 
it's always easy to get hype. I'm hyped now, too. I did a little research. I looked at my own team, looked at my own players, listened to my own people talk about Ole Miss sports. It's easy to get hyped. And I'm not blaming you for getting hyped. But I also... It's, I got okay, a question let me, about no, before you say anything. I do have hold on. You've got an easy schedule that works for you, like you mm-hmm. said. We have a great eight schedule. games at home. The four games on the road is South Carolina, Arkansas, Auburn, and A and M. That's that's all winnable the games. The four easiest SEC games you have. We could absolutely win all four of right. those games. So we'll get into wins and losses and whatnot. But I, it's, it's I'll say this. No, let me finish. It's kind of unfair to assume everybody is ridiculous when your whole identity as a program is Mike Leach and the Air Raid, and then to think that you should not at least be – a step back should not at least be in the consideration when he dies. And the person that takes over is somebody who has never been a head coach before. Yes, he is running incredible defense. They were really good at the end of last season, and most of them come back. I get that. But to say that you went 8-4 and four last year and to say that anybody should expect you to go 8-4 and four or 9-3 and three while playing in the SEC West or else they don't respect you just throws – it's just missing some glaring arguments here and the reason why it should not be obvious that they should be – and I'm not projecting that they're going to go five and seven or four and eight or six and six. I think they're better than that. But there's obvious reasons here that are not that are legit reasons that should not be discounted, other than they're just haters. I get everything so I got you a said question. is accurate, mm-hmm. but your whole identity so, is the air raid. That's what Will Rogers has shown. He may be good at other things, but what we have seen with our eyes of him is he is incredible with a clean pocket and throwing the ball two to three seconds after it hits his hand. So, you're bringing in a new OC. You don't have Mike Leach. Your head coach is now the or your uh, your defensive coordinator, your young hotshot defensive coordinator, is now your head coach in charge of the whole program, not just the defense. So, there are questions there. You can't say there are not questions there. I get you're returning a lot of players. I get you have an easy schedule. But if you're going to get up here and pretend like anybody who doesn't expect you to go eight and four or better are haters then you're missing some obvious questions in your own house no no you've got you've got some valid points so i got a question for you how many teams in the sec six uh 14 um, 14 do you know how many are returning their offensive coordinator from last year uh no not off the top of my head two Ole miss being two one. Ole miss and lsu okay. are the only two returning their offensive coordinator why does everybody else get a pass and you think that Arkansas is going to be better than us because they're getting a new OC? That you think Auburn is going to be better than us with a new OC? Kentucky is going to be better than us with a new because OC? It, Alabama, but, I'll give you. Like, it is what it current, is. But why sitting, are those teams getting a pass? The OCs at those other 12 schools were not did not single-handedly build a whole system that changed college football. Maybe not build I mean, college, that, like change college football, but, but they Mike built Leach, it for that program. Leach, they tailored it sure, to that program. Sure, there's tweaks and playing. You know, there's they make tweaks and they play to their strengths of their own roster. I get that, 
But mm-hmm. Mike Leach is notoriously like, I'm running the air raid. It works. I'll make it work wherever I go. I don't care what kind of players I get. We're running the same system. That is Mike mm-hmm. Leach. You can't say that it's not. And so to, to – You're absolutely to, right. Not only lose him, it's not just losing him. Because if they would have filled him in with, say, Link, um, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, just call it a disciple of Mike Leach, nobody would mm-hmm. would really mark the offense down as such a question mark if you're filling it in with somebody of the same ilk, of the same system, because that's the system that they ran. However, mm-hmm. in, so you take that you lose Leach – but it's also that you've got an unproven head coach that is a defensive coordinator. And so all all of that shifts to the App State offensive coordinator. And so you've got to – you have got to trust him beyond a shadow of a doubt that he can win with, with um, Leach's quarterback. And you've seen mm-hmm. Leach's quarterbacks, how they fare in other systems. They don't. Sure. So sure. – it's not irresponsible for me to think that Will Rogers is going to take a step back this year because I have yet to see anybody that come out of Leach's system and do any better than Garner Minshew as a backup in the NFL. I'll say this. They may not and be an NFL quarterback. he has not got the arm talent that a lot of those Leach quarterbacks has. He's efficient. He's accurate. But he does not have that and arm talent. that's all you got to be. I get it. If, if, you, you're don't, running if you don't turn system, the football over. If you're running Leach's system, don't, that's all you need. If you don't turn the football over in any system, you're still going to win a whole bunch but of football Leech's games, especially system, when you have athletes. Athletes, I know, but Leach's like system athletes are going to prevented athlete. turnovers. You were running five sure. receivers on short routes. It's all timing. That's why Leach's What's, system, when you were in his system for more than one year, you were a Heisman finalist. Because mm-hmm. once you figure it out, get good at it, you're unstoppable in the passing game only. Because it's all timing. And now. And it's all accuracy. Man, I'm so glad you said that because you're going to help me prove my next point. Now prove you have to point. factor in the running prove game. this point. Because you now you have to factor point. in the running game. <laughs> Absolutely I can. That's what I'm doing. Yes, it's a new system. Yes, it's a different system. Now you have to factor in a running game with Woody Marks who helped be a de- – he was a good running back yeah, down the stretch against some very good defenses. Fine, yeah. And so now you have to you have to compensate for that running game and so it's still going to make real rogers be more efficient because those defenses can't drop eight anymore you drop eight go ahead we're going to hit underneath we're going to get woody marks the ball we're going to get with seth davis who's a freshman is going to be an absolute stud in a couple of years he's number two on the depth chart this year for a reason now we're going to be able to keep you more honest with the running back game sure again i admitted that from the front is will rogers the best quarterback absolutely not but he's an efficient quarterback he's proven that he can protect the football and if you don't turn the ball over i don't give a crap what your system is if you're not turning the football over you're going to win football games you're going to win football games or you're going to punt a lot and i don't think state's built to punt a lot but (laughs) i'm just saying it is not he is the most efficient quarterback in sec history probably as Mm -hmm. a he's going into he's been a starter at mississippi state for three years and he will break aaron murray's yardage record Okay, the the yeah. SEC passing yardage record. He will beat it this year. We're gonna see. We're gonna see two offensive br- records broke this broke this year. We'll get into the other okay. one here in a little so bit. So he will break Aaron Murray's record this year because he is efficient. But I am banking on, or I'm not banking on anything. I'm I'm kind of down the middle <laughs> with state. Uh, sure. What I the make or break thing is can he be that efficient? 
without Mike Leach. And that is a valid concern, mm-hmm. and we'll, nobody will know the sure. answer to that, whether you want to pretend you do or not. Nobody will know the answer to that until week until three. Until mid-September. Against LSU. Mm-hmm. I'll even say a couple LSU, a couple SEC games because we got lucky. Like, we, like Mike Leach's offense got really lucky against LSU two years ago, and uh, Tommy Stevenson went nuts. Uh, no, KJ, it was KJ. KJ Costello went nuts, and yeah. we beat LSU. Flash in uh, the Beat pants. the crap yeah. out of them. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I'll say we won't really know until what's going on until that Alabama game. But – Will Rogers was efficient in high school in a different system. He was efficient under Mike Ro- Mike Leach's system. I have no like I have no doubt he's going to be efficient in this system as well. Okay, well, and I wouldn't expect you to say otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into the schedule. The 2023 Mississippi State football schedule looks like this, and we'll I'll call them out what I think, and then you can follow up what you think, okay. Uncle Buck. I think we're pretty fair um, to say that Southeastern Louisiana this weekend is a win for Mississippi State. Uh, let me think. Yeah. Yes, it's a win. Yeah. 1-0 Mississippi State. We both got them 1-0. Arizona comes to town. They have to travel two time zones ahead. They get out of the mountains in that thin air into that thick, humid, central Mississippi air. I think that's a win for Mississippi State. They go into the LSU game 2-0. and Oh, I don't have their schedule pulled up anymore. If y'all really want to do Arizona dirty, play them at 2-30. I don't know what time the game is. I was going to look it up. But. It hadn't been announced yet. It hadn't been announced yet. I thought the first two I don't weeks think. Were. Arizona, 6.30. See, y'all are taking it Oh, it's it a late one. No, see. No. that You know how it is in Mississippi. When the sun yeah. goes down, the humidity you doubles, man. It's it going to be thick. Half. Sun goes down. <laughs> it's going to be yeah. thick. Uh, but I think Arizona's a win, 2-0 and for Mississippi State. Yes, I do too. I have them as a win. I'll tell you this. Uh, when I've gone through both of our schedules, what I've done is I have written down obvious wins. And so, for Mississippi yeah. State, obvious wins, and I'm talking like – betting odds are like 80% or better. So you're going to think mm-hmm. some of you're going to pick some of these as as wins and I may pick losses, but like obvious obvious wins for Mississippi State. Southeast Louisiana, mm-hmm. Arizona, mm-hmm. Western Michigan, yep. Southern Miss. Yep. Yep. That's all I've got. The rest of the games LSU or SEC games basically. You okay, know. that's fair. That's fair. Because I think there's I an see, obvious win late in the season. Because I see Mississippi State as a middle of the road SEC team, I don't see them going ten and two. I don't see them going two and ten. Every single SEC mm-hmm. game is in play, either way. Yeah, that's how I see it. And I, absolutely, and I think the same about Ole Miss. We'll yeah. get to that here in a few minutes. But I think the LSU game is probably a loss. LSU's good. Jaden Daniels found his stride. Brian Kelly knows what to do with him now. They need to run him more. We hung with him for three point eight quarters last year and it got away from us late with a turnover and a big run uh, but I think LSU wins this game we're two yeah, and I've one. I've got that as a loss as well um, you know I'm high on second year quarterbacks I'm high on uh, re- mm-hmm. continuity uh, I like Jaden Daniels Jaden Daniels really picked up l- late in the season uh, second half of the season they were virtually unbeatable they they beat Alabama and they really kind of controlled the pace and the tempo the whole game I think you're going to see more of that because uh, Brian Kelly is an elite coach. Jay Daniels is a really good college football player. Uh, so, yes, I think mm-hmm. LSU is going to win that game. Yep, I agree. I think the at-South Carolina game is going to be a great barometer for us. That's our first road test. It's a hostile environment. It's going to be hot. I'm going to be there. It's in Columbia. It's going to be one of those games that's just tough. It's a toss-up. I think we're the better football team, but it's sandwiched between a home game against LSU – and a home game against Alabama. I'm actually picking this as a loss for wow. Mississippi State. I know I had said when we talked about South Carolina that we were going to beat them. 
I think we lose that game. Well, I mean, I'm pretty shocked about that. Uh, yeah, you've kind of left me a little speechless there. Uh, South Carolina ended the season very well. They beat Tennessee. They beat South Carolina. They went to a bowl game, won that one. I can't remember what it was at. They beat Clemson. That's right, Clemson. So, I mean, uh, well, they beat Clemson, not in the bowl game. Uh, no, no, you said they beat South Carolina. They yeah, beat Clemson oh, and they went I'm to sorry. the bowl game. I thought game. you were filling in the blank for the bowl game. Uh, yeah, so they beat mm-hmm. Tennessee and then Clemson, and then they won their bowl game. I can't remember who that was again. Yeah, they won the Dukes-Mayo Bowl against uh, – They no, 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 no. They no, went no. to a decent – They had it. They they were at the Gator Bowl, and they hadn't won until the final two minutes, and they lost to Notre Dame by a touchdown. Okay. All right. At the very, very so, end. my point still stands. They finished the season hot sure. uh, with a end of the fourth quarter loss to Notre Dame in a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I like the continuity. I'm not as high I, on people as I'm they are. I'm not either, which makes I me think, think I should be picking state. Uh and so that's what I'll do. I'll pick State because I honestly think you've only got four road games this year. I think I don't know to make it work. I'm just gonna I'm gonna put that down as uh, as a win for Mississippi State. Yeah. Just as I mean, right. I'll be honest with you. The reason why I did that is because you picked them to lose, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Even when you <laughs> my plan is working. My plan yeah. is yeah, I'm working. Just, I'm just glad that you picked them to lose. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all right. Uh, next week's Alabama at home. I think that, like, we historically play Alabama well at home. Last year was the first time we've ever went to Tuscaloosa, in my recollection, recollection, and played them well. We we held them to their lowest yardage output of the season. They had a couple weird touchdowns. They had a couple short fields due to offensive turnovers and blunders that we won't get into on this podcast. Please, let's talk about Because we would have last year. Yes. So, anyway – Hung with them. It like everybody, the people called in the game, the pundits the next week said it was the most competitive thirty to three game that there's ever been, which is wild to say. <laughs> Al- well, think about that for a stupid, minute. Stupid thing to say. <laughs> that that we sounds like something everywhere but the scoreboard. Would, uh, Robertson would say, it, "I'm no. telling you, boneyard folks." Uh, if we could play them again, we'd beat them. They only had us by 27 points. And if we played one more quarter, we'd have won. It was Joe Tessitore. Joe Tessitore called that game and said, that was the most competitive 30-3 game I've ever oh seen. My gosh. Alabama comes to Starville this year. We haven't beat Alabama since oh 2007. And we don't beat them this year. Alabama wins that game. Mississippi State sitting at 2-3. 2-3. Two and, two and, uh, and, two and yeah, 2-3. Yeah. I got them at 2-3. Yeah. and three. Uh, mm-hmm. I have them two at 3-3. Three and three. Three. So... There you go. Um, then they Western the Michigan. One. Obvious win. Uh, where's your bye week at? Um, I think it's between. Uh, I have to look and see. I had that down. I didn't write that down. I had it in my other notes. Um, I just want y'all to know to our listeners out there. I sat down and I looked at our schedule and I poured over my notes for Mississippi State and Ole Miss and I typed them up because that's what I do. Our bye week is between Western Michigan, Western Michigan and Arkansas. So we play Western Michigan, which is an obvious win. We get an so off get week and then we play at Fayetteville. Yep. So we play at Fayetteville uh, against Arkansas. We've had Arkansas's number recently. I'm not as high on Arkansas as most people are. KJ Jefferson's great. Uh, Rocket Sanders is great. Their defensive line is going to be good. That's about it. Their defense last year was Swiss cheese, man. We absolutely lit them up. Ole Miss absolutely lit them up. Everybody who played Arkansas last year lit them up. They didn't do enough to change. 
Mississippi State wins to move to four and three. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is going to be the two most senior quarterbacks in the league going against each other right mm-hmm. here. Um, continuity kind of gets a little weird. You know, I, I've stated a hundred times on this podcast, I love continuity, especially between offensive coordinators and quarterbacks. Uh, but Arkansas is where it diverges a little bit because both coordinators, offensive and defensive coordinators, left in the offseason uh, to be replaced by uh, Sam Pittman. And <laughs> and so Sam Pittman's great, but he's a little like Ed Ogeron where he's he's a rallying cry for the fan base, for the players. He's a delegator when he's at his best. But really the nuts and bolts of the offenses and defenses are just set by the coordinators. And so Arkansas loses Kendall Bryles. Uh, they lose Barry Odom. and But they've still got the continuity with K.J. Jefferson. K.J. Jefferson's good. Uh, he is like Chris Ralph, except better. Uh, <laughs> and I would yeah, hope so. Uh, so I'm really torn on this game. We differed on South Carolina, and I gave Mississippi State a win. You gave them a loss. I'm going to give Arkansas a win here. Uh, mainly because it's on the road. You've got four road games this year. I think by far the hardest one is going to be here in Arkansas because not that Arkansas is better, but Arkansas is going to look at this schedule and they're going to look at their home games and they're going to be like, that's the one. That's the one I want to go to. That's the one that that we have the best chance of winning. I don't have the Arkansas schedule up here to see their other home games, but you know that they're going to have much more daunting tasks in front of them at home. So if you're wanting to see a win, you're wanting to see the most competitive game as a Razorback fan, that's the game I want to go to, and that's the game I'm going to be the loudest for. There's going to be some baseball bad blood there. there there's there's mm-hmm. a, That spills over into football. Uh, Lord mm-hmm. knows I hate Arkansas 100%. more because of their baseball. I hate, I hate their football team Absolutely. more because of their baseball team. Uh, Absolutely, and their fans on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, so – I think Arkansas gets up for this game in Reynolds Razorback Stadium and takes a win. I just don't think, and, and that's fine, and I'm not trying to talk you out of it, I just don't think Arkansas's done enough to be better than us after we embarrassed them last year, beat the brakes off them last year. I don't think they've done enough to be better than us, but everybody has the right to be wrong. All right, so next is at Auburn. I've been torn back and forth. I think we go 2-2 two and two on the SC, in the SEC uh, on our road games. we got four road games, South Carolina, Arkansas, Auburn, and A&M. I think we win two, and I think we lose two. Okay. So basically, I think this you've might gotta, be one of the ones. you got to lose one of Auburn or A&M at this point is what you're saying. We own A&M. And I don't know that we're going to be privy to the blow-up, but there's going to be a blow-up between Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher. But we'll save that for A&M in a couple picks. I think Hugh Freeze at this point, we don't know what he's going to be, right? He's a winner. He he recruits well. He's done very good in the transfer portal. This one's at Auburn. Historically, we don't play really well at Auburn. We usually beat them at home. The only uh, withstanding one was two years ago when we got down 28-6 to and we won 42-28, to or 46-28, beat the brakes off them in the second half. I had Just to make the math work, I had to pick a loss between Auburn and A&M. And I think they lose at Auburn. I think they lose that game. They move to four and four uh, after the Auburn game. Yeah, that's tricky because, you know, I know what a Hugh Freeze team looks like uh, just from his time here at Ole Miss. However, I remember that first year of Freeze. It, they were six and six. They played extremely hard. They bought in. He is a 
Baptist preacher in that locker room. He gets buy-in. The guys play hard for him until they've had enough time to see the real Hugh. So they haven't had that time yet. And so I think by this part of the schedule, if Auburn's going to be humming, they're going to be the best version of themselves right here. Um, I've got it as a loss, uh, mainly because it's on the road. Uh, Hugh Freeze doesn't win in Starfall very often. <laughs> uh, no, he doesn't. You know, I think Hugh Freeze and Dan Mullen basically just went back and forth every year, just winning on each other's home they field. Um, That's it. So, so come 2024 – you know what's going to happen. Does Mississippi State play Auburn in 24? Ole Miss doesn't play Auburn. Oh, no, that's right. No, this we is, don't. We this sure is don't. it for right now for Ole Miss and Auburn. That's it. You know, Hugh Freeze yeah, will not make his not return to Oxford in 24. No, and he won't come back to Starkville in 24 because our four home games are imagine? Missouri, Florida, A&M, and Ole Miss. Mississippi State fans are going to cheer him so hard. Like, they are mm-hmm. going to rally for Hugh Freeze <laughs> just to rub the salt in the wound, you know. They might. I don't know. I still hate Hugh Freeze, but I think we lose that football game. Uh, then we've got on the Kentucky. road at Kentucky. Nope, Kentucky's at home. Kentucky is at home. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Out of the last ten football games between Mississippi State and Kentucky, the home ten, the home team has gone five and zero each time. The home team wins. I like uh, Devin O'Leary. Got his name right this time. I like. Mark Stoops and what he's doing. I like the direction Kentucky's heading. The home team wins this football game. Your Mississippi State Bulldogs win this game, baby. Let's go. Mississippi State wins at home, holds court with the home team, and Mississippi State wins in Starville against Kentucky. We're going to be wearing the throwback 1998. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm wearing the interlocking MSU in honor of that game. It's homecoming. It's the MSU interlocking MSU Miss State throwbacks. We ain't losing that game, baby. Dogs by 90. Mississippi State beats the Kentucky Wildcats. You know, I was kind of leaning the other way because I do like Devin O'Leary. I love Mark Stoops. I think that Mississippi State and Kentucky kind of sit over the last – since Stoops was there. Let's just put it at that point. Since Stoops got there, Mississippi State and Kentucky seem to sit eye-to-eye in the standings every year. It seems like they're like the perfect mirror image of each other from the opposite conference. They both had good years but lost – against Georgia and to one and, an, or, and yeah. Alabama. You know, you know, or to you one know, another. <laughs> they're sitting anywhere between three and five and three and six in their conference every year, but it's always in their division, but it's always because they lose to the better teams. You know, State will draw Georgia and Alabama and LSU, and there's your losses. And they don't ever lose to teams they shouldn't lose to, but they never beat the teams they can beat. They shouldn't beat, you know. I feel like they're good mirror images here. And so it's kind of a toss-up. It's at home for Mississippi State. And really just the stat that you just said, that the home team's 10-0 and 0 the last 10 games, sways it for me, and I'll pick State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, State wins at home. You know, again, the last time we won less – like we won less than four – last time we went worse than four and four in the conference was 2011. And so history is going to keep us at that four wins – and I think that we beat Kentucky, so glad we yeah, agree so on that. Yeah, so where are we at now in conference? You said four and four, so I've got them. At I think they're going to go four and four in conference. Uh, so I have them two and two in the conference so far. You two got and them three. two and two in conference. Mm-hmm. Two. two and three in conference. Hold on. All right, wins. Damn. South Carolina win. That's one. Kentucky win. That's two. two. two you got them two and three in conference, and I have them three and two. I have them the opposite. I got them three and two in conference play. 
Okay, I have four losses. Auburn, Arkansas, Alabama, and LSU. So I guess you got them one and, and four I've right got now, them right? Or two a and win against two and four. Kentucky and South Carolina. So yeah. you've got them two and four. I've got them one, two, three, and one, three, two, three. I got them three and three and in college play right four. now. Okay. All right. Yep. So that goes on the road at Kyle Field. What say you? We own Texas A&M. Uh, we don't lose to Texas A&M very often. Uh, we lost to Manziel once and beat him once. We've, uh, I think we're 2-2 two and two against Jimbo Fisher. I, I, I don't think A&M's done enough to get better than us. They get these great recruiting classes, but they've got an alpha in Jimbo Fisher. They brought in an alpha in Bobby Petrino, and whether that blow-up happens on the sideline, whether it happens in an office, whether it happens in the lunch line at the cafeteria, a blow-up is coming, and this team melts down this year. I think this is Jimbo's last year. I don't think it goes well for A&M this year. I think that this is a recipe for a disaster. And as a sports fan and a anti-Texas A&M Aggie, I cannot wait to watch it happen. Mississippi State goes to Kyle Field. Again, I think they're 2-2 two and two on the road in conference. And I think they win at Kyle Field beating Texas A&M. Okay. Um, you know, these, these programs are mirror images of each other. I said that about Kentucky, but it's really A&M and then A&M's wannabe in Mississippi State. Uh, if you remember when these colleges were established back when they started the State College Fund, uh, they went to College Station, Texas, and they built the mm-hmm. University of Texas A&M. used to be the <coughs> Texas – what is it? University of Texas Agriculture and Mechanics. And Mechanical, mechanical School. School. Okay. Uh, they na- – Or Texas Agriculture and Mechanical University. Okay. T-A-M-U. And so they went to Kyle Station and created this university, called them the Aggies, the agricultural institution that they are. They colored them maroon. And then, this is a fact, then they drove to Starville, Mississippi. They created Mississippi A&M. They colored, they made their uh, mascot a bulldog, and they colored them maroon and white. It's literally Texas A&M 2.0. It's Texas A&M light is what Mississippi State is. It's Mississippi State – Texas A&M is Mississippi State with a cult. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's just – it just be that way. I will be honest with you, uh, playing Texas A&M in game 10 is beneficial because with you I also agree that, that Texas A&M, you always want to play them later because – once things get off the rails, they refuse to get them back on the rails. There's something about their psyche. They just turn on each other quicker than they they just right the ship. Once it's over, it's over, and it keeps getting worse. If it goes bad early in the season, it's going to be a train wreck. Mm-hmm. If it goes bad, get worse and worse. Wrong late in the season, then it'll, you know, they'll be excited for next year. Um, <laughs> I don't trust A&M. I've said this on this podcast. I'm going to pick Ole Miss to beat A&M at home this year. Uh. But State's going to lose because State just wants to beat Texas A&M. You're a homer. That's all. That, you're a hater. That's all that is. Man. That's a hater pick. Hater pick. So, after that, I think it's an obvious win. Southern Miss, um, I, I don't think that's even uh, even questionable. We go to Southern, but we're going to be in there. So, last game of the year, the Egg Bowl. Yeah. Ole Miss comes to town. Recently, the trend in the Egg Bowl is a road team gets the trophy. 
right? The road team has been the victor in the last few Egg the Bowls. the last two or three, right? Th- last two or three, something like that. It's kind of where the trend's I going. I put it this way. So, Leach was the coach for three years. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Leach mm-hmm. and Kiffin. Kiffin won the mm-hmm. first two. Leach won the last one. The last one. Yep. So, so two, there you go. So, Ole Miss won road, home, mm-hmm. and – or won home – They won home, road. Road, and then road, lost at home. And then lost at home. Year. It's so the road State. teams won the last two. Yes. The road yes. teams won the last two. Zach Arnett's first Egg Bowl. Most coaches in their first Egg Bowl at Mississippi State have not fared super well. No. But that changes this year. Dad Gummy Mississippi State wins <laughs> in Starville. I'm not going to pick the Ole Miss Rebels. Mississippi State wins in, in Starville. Keeps that Egg Bowl trophy where it belongs. Your Mississippi State Bulldogs, according to me, Buckets finishes eight and four on the season, four and four. We do regress from last year. Actually, we finished the same regular season record at eight and four. We finished nine and four last year with the bowl win. We go eight and four overall, four and four in conference. I take the Mississippi State Bulldogs to beat our bitter rival. Oh, bitter, say it one more time. Bitter rival, <laughs> bitter rival, Ole Miss to finish eight and four. Yeah, on the year. Let's I, say I've got them at six and six. Uh, obviously, that A and M game could go either way. I feel pretty good about the rest of them so what's their number six and a half this year they are six uh actually i think they were five and a half i think we were lower than okay. that so we both have them at the over then uh, let me look and see i'm, I'm going to confirm that i think we might actually yes we are six and a half so six and a half is our is our number this so year So we're we're one game we're both one game away from just meeting in the middle here mm-hmm. uh, i've got mm-hmm. them at six and six you've got them at eight and four i have them with uh Let's see. In conference, I've got them 0-1, 1-1, 1-2, 1-3, 1-4, 1-5, 1-6, 2-6, and 2-6 in the conference. There's absolutely no way this team wins two conference games. That means this will be the worst conference year since 2011. There's absolutely no way. Absolutely no way. Okay. You've got them. Let's see. You said 4-4. Four and four. They haven't been any worse than 4-4. Four and four. Since 2011, okay. they have so not been four and worse than 4-4. 0-1, 0-2, 0-3, 1-4, 1-5, 1-6, 2-6, 2-6, 2-6, 2-6, 2-6, 2-6, 2-6, 2-6, 2-6, 2-6, 2-6, 2-6, 2-6, 
I've done this with all the other teams this year. Uh, Ole Miss has a ridiculously hard schedule. Uh, in yes. the SEC, uh, if you just rank the SEC schools, they've got the second hardest schedule in the SEC. Uh, and that includes out of conference. It just ranked one through 14 SEC schools, their whole schedule. They're sitting at second. Um, they returned 13 starters, eight on offense, five on defense. Uh Obviously, the story with Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin, since he's gotten here and he's gotten an offseason to recruit, the story is the transfer portal. Everybody knows it. That's what that's what Lane loves. That's that's the way he wants to go. He wants to go for studs in high school, and if he can't get the top of the top, he's going to go get really good players out of the transfer portal. Don't settle for for decent high school players just to have four-year players get the the good high school players and then go to the transfer portal. So what I've wanted to do is just kind of outline, hit the high spots of what he's got out of the transfer portal. Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss had the sixth-ranked portal recruiting class this year. That was the third best in the SEC. LSU had number one. Hugh Freeze and Auburn had number five. Uh when it comes to ranking the players that were come out of the portal. Uh, I went offense, defense here, uh, starting with the offense. Caden Priestcorn, he's a four-star transfer, tied in from the University of Memphis. Uh, last year, he played in all 13 games for Memphis. He had 48 receptions, uh, which is roughly five a game, 600 yards, seven touchdowns. Uh, it's solid. Ole Miss has got a a lemon, it seems like, from USC. Uh, the transfer that came over with Jackson Dart, uh, Michael Trigg, has just been an absolute bust. Uh, and so you lose him. You lose Chad's little brother, Casey Kelly, the uh, tight end last year. He went to Oregon. And so Caden Priest scoring a taller, lankier, more athletic option at tight end will fill in, and he will get a lot of receptions this year. But not as many receptions as the next two guys that I'm going to talk about. Ole Miss lost two receivers last year. Both of them are on the 53-man roster for the NFL team that they play for. One, Jonathan Mingo, drafted by the Carolina Panthers, and former former Mississippi State Bulldog and former Ole Miss Rebel wide receiver Malik Heath on an NFL roster. So they're replacing both of those receivers uh, this year, but they're replacing them with Zachary Franklin. Zachary Franklin is a, is a four-star receiver from UTSA. Some of his accolades, and he is on the Blitnikoff preseason watch list. He's preseason All-SEC fourth team, which would mean he's in the top eight of their wide receivers. Yeah. That's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, Last year at yeah, UTSA, I'm getting there. I'm he getting had 90. No, you got it. Okay. Don't you okay. step on my own misstats. Go All ahead. Right. Um, last year at, at UTSA, University of Texas San Antonio, he led all of football in receptions with 262 receptions. He was second in receiving yards. Uh, he's a four-year starter when, in which he played 46 games, so injuries have not hurt him at all. He's had 13 100-yard games. He holds the top two spots at UTSA for wide receivers in 
uh, all-time for receptions, yards, yards per game, and receiving touchdowns in a single season. So his last two seasons, he broke the record and then broke his record. And he is two-time All-Conference USA. He was an All-American, All-Honorable mention. And if you just talk about last season, he had 15 touchdowns, which was tied for second in football in the FBS with 15 touchdowns. He had 93 receptions, which was seventh in all of football, and he had 1,136 receiving yards. He's a stud. He comes in as wide receiver one for Ole Miss after they lose uh, two receivers. But that's not the only receiver they got, Rusty. They went to um, uh, Ruston, Louisiana, and got Trey Harris from La Tech. Uh, he was a four-star. He was also on the Bolitnikoff watch list. But, I mean, if you're being honest, everybody with a pulse on a starting roster uh, is on <laughs> yeah. a watch list. Uh, he was All-Conference USA in 22. Uh, also in 22, he had 65 receptions for 935 yards and 10 touchdowns. So the two receivers that you're coming in to replace Mingo and Malik Heath, last year they combined for 25 touchdowns. And so in a Lane Kiffin offense in which you run the ball a lot, but uh, there's also a, a fair amount of balance and a lot of shots taken in the air, you've got two really good receiving options and one really good uh, tight end option with Caden Priestcorn from Memphis. Uh, on the defensive side um, – they are not as highly touted, but there's a four-star cornerback from the University of Miami of Ohio. Uh, he had 52 tackles last year, two interceptions, and a forced fumble. His name's John Saunders. Uh, the one most people are excited about, a fellow by the name of Monty Montgomery. He's a four-star linebacker from Louisville. He was a JUCO player of the year uh, in the conference. He played JUCO in 22 at Louisville. He had 70 tackles and six sacks and 11 tackles for loss. That was second on his team. Uh, he was second on his team in tackles and tackles for loss, not for sacks. Um, you've got a four-star transfer from Georgia Tech, Zamari Walter, or Zamari Walton. He played 48 games in four seasons. Again, injuries have not been a problem for him. He's played in every game. you got to think Georgia Tech over the last four years. They haven't played in a bowl game, so they've only played 12 games. He's played in 12 times four is 48. He's played in all 48 games. Um, in 22, he had 36 tackles from the corner position, um, six pass breakups. He was all ACC honorable mention for a deplorable Georgia Tech team last year. Um, one of the uh, – maybe the surprise and a name to look at, a late transfer from James Madison University, a guy named Isaiah Ukwu, as I'm guessing how you pronounce it, UK. W-U. Can you pronounce that any Don't better? Don't ask me. Ukwu, Ukwu. <laughs> nope. Um, he had 16 and a half sacks in three seasons. Uh, well, 27 and a half tackles for loss and 16 and a half sacks in three seasons at James Madison. But all 16 and a half of those sacks came in the last two seasons. Last year at James Madison, he was an All-American honorable mention. He was first team all Sun Belt. And in 22 alone, he had seven and a half sacks, ten and a half tackles for loss, and started in all 14 games. And so I know there's a lot made about what Lane loses. You know, we honestly, if you look at the players we brought in and the players we lost, the best player on both of those lists, we lost. We lost Davis and Igbenosan, who left to go to Ohio State. 
can't really argue with that. He was a freshman stud. If Ohio State comes calling, I'm not going to be the guy that says, you know, you shouldn't go to Ohio State. Uh, but what he lost, he has found. Uh, he has found viable options at. Nothing's a sure thing. I get that. But these four guys, five guys that I've outlined here, have been – were cherry-picked for this roster. You can – you know, let me ask you this, Rusty, uh, because I, I don't know that there is a right or wrong answer. But would you – when you're looking at it, would you rather have the guy that didn't play at Georgia or the guy that sat re- set records at UTSA? Because, I mean – We've had it both ways. Otis Reese was really good at Georgia. He came to Ole Miss. He just signed. He made the 53-man roster this year for your Titans. So, congratulations. You've mm-hmm. got a Rebel. Yeah, Undrafted free yeah. agent, made the 53-man roster for the Titans. Uh, and But then we're getting all these guys from lower-tier schools. You know, some Power 5 schools, but most of them lower-tier. Um, I love the fact that I can go back and watch last year's tape and see that they've balled out and not sat mm-hmm. on the bench and relied on high school rankings. I was about to say, as much as the talent disparity is between UTSA and Georgia, this Franklin kid is a freaking stud. And I would rather have that record maybe breaker because he's been playing position. versus the – I mean, maybe, but the guy like – I mean, but the guy who played tackle football last year versus the guy who sat right. and rotted on the bench, I would much rather take the kid And maybe played. it's position because if it was, say, a defensive tackle – like you're look, I, I told you about this, Isaac Ukwu, uh, defensive lineman from James mm-hmm. Madison, ten and a half uh, tackles for loss and seven and a half sacks last year. I'm not going to beat the drum and say that he will do that same thing against SEC offensive linemen, but I feel pretty confident at the wide receiver position. If you can get space from one, you can get space from all, and that's what this is. And you've got hands, you've got you've got good speed. I'm really excited about the transfer wide receivers they've got in. And Mm -hmm. the defense, uh, one, you know, you talked about your offensive line stats, uh, about returning all offensive starters. Every member of Ole Miss's defense will be juniors or seniors this year. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're not all, you know, (laughs) they're transfers, but they're Mm -hmm. old transfers. (laughs) They know how to play. They know how to fit in. And hopefully – Sure. You know, by the time you get there, even if you're transferred, typically that means you've humbled a little bit at some aspect or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully it's a cohesive unit. You brought in Pete Golding from Alabama, who who has been a Saban guy for as long as I've known the name Pete Golding. You know, he's, he's obviously known as a dynamic recruiter. That is shown because he just landed a five-star. The best player in the state of Mississippi chose Ole Miss over Auburn last week for the 24 class. Uh, five-star defensive lineman, so you know that that those chops have transferred, uh, and hopefully in his first full offseason as the Ole Miss defensive coordinator next year, uh, we can really start seeing those impact defensive players come in, especially from the from the high school ranks. Uh, but he's learned under Saban. I mean, Saban is a defensive guy. Uh, he's never made any bones <laughs> about it, uh, and Pete Golding learned under him. And so what was a train wreck last year on defense when it came to scheme and came to management, uh, I'm hoping that hold, turning over the reins from co-defensive coordinators last year to Pete Golding having his say and his control over the whole defense, I'm really hoping for a tick up on defense this year, and I think there's reason to be confident in it. Um, 
freshman Aiden Williams out of Ridgeland High School in Jackson, outside of Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, he's going to play a factor this year. He was the top 50 recruit, um, number 43 per rivals. Uh, look for him to have a breakout year. He's wearing the number one, which is a big deal for Ole Miss fans because it started with Laquan and then A.J. Brown and then um, Jonathan Mingo, all three goes on to be drafted and have careers in the NFL. And so hopefully he can continue the lineage of the number one jersey at Ole Miss. Uh, the most important thing Ole Miss that will sway Ole Miss to being an elite SEC football team or being an average SEC football team is Jackson Dart. I know there was a lot of noise made this this offseason. They brought in Spencer Sanders. They brought in Walker Howard. Spencer Sanders, with one year of eligibility, left Oklahoma State to go to Ole Miss. And Walker Howard kind of seeing the writing on the wall that he would be a, a third string, uh, went to Ole Miss with virtually a promise that he's going to be the starter in 25. But as far as 2023-2024 go, uh, Jackson Dart is our guy. Uh, Jackson Dart last year – Completed 62% of his pass for 2,900 yards, 20 touchdowns, 11 picks, and he also had 615 yards on the ground. Um, he is one of six quarterbacks in all of college football last year that had 2,900 passing yards and 600 rushing yards. The only other SEC quarterback was Jaden Daniels at LSU. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he had the last year and his first year in the system uh, – he had the sixth best passing season in Ole Miss history, and Ole Miss has had some really, really good generational college quarterbacks. Um, and on top of that, like I talked about last year when we were we started this podcast and started talking about Ole Miss, I'm not going to write what say what I wrote down, but I'll paraphrase it and say he is just tough as nails. I have. <laughs> it's probably the biggest revelation that I had of Jackson Dart last year was I thought this West Coast kid who played a year at South Carolina who's from Utah would be soft, would be pretty boy, you know. But that man mm-hmm. is a hard-nosed gamer. And he earned so much respect for me last year. When everything was going left, he stayed the course, and he buckled up, buckled his chin strap, tightened it up, and was just ready as the starting quarterback to run you over if need be. If that's the only option we had, man, he was just going to run it, and he was going to lower his shoulder every time. And to me as a fan, I'm sure that it pales in comparison to what the players felt when they saw him doing that. It showed leadership. Mm -hmm. It showed guts. He's got the gonads to go out there and not be phased. He struggled with turnovers last year. Like I said, he had 11 11 (laughs) interceptions in 13 games. Um but I believe, and the word out of fall camp this year has been that he is head and shoulders better than Spencer Sanders. I don't think it's – they say it's a competition. They do that to be coy and to be sly. He is the better quarterback. He's better than Spencer Sanders per every report that I've seen. And he's lit up summer ball, fall practice, and to just – seemingly easily beat out who was a three or four year starter at a D1 school like Oklahoma State that Mm -hmm. throws the ball prolifically around the field 
to basically not even allow him the opportunity to truly compete for the one spot on this team says a lot about what I should expect from Jackson Dart this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know how I felt about quarterback, OC, or quarterback head coach continuity. I've preached it on this podcast the last three weeks. He's got Lane again. He's uh, the same offensive coordinator, but let's be real, this is Lane's offense. Uh, He's got a full year with Lane as the starter. I just believe that Jackson Dart is going to emerge as a truly a above well above average, a good, solid, dependable SEC quarterback. I'm not gonna go out and say he's gonna win a Heisman, but he is going to be a really, really good SEC quarterback this year. And he's gonna have weapons to throw to. But speaking of Heisman, Quinn Sean Judkins. My man a true sophomore as a fresh a true freshman last year led the SEC in rushing he was the SEC all freshman team SEC rookie uh, freshman of the year SEC player of the year newcomer of the year first team first team all american CBS national freshman player of the year uh in going into this season he is predicted to be preseason all SEC preseason all america Preseason All-America first team consensus. He's on the Doak Walker, the Walter Camp, and the Maxwell watch list. The man has just got it all. He's got a haircut that looks like Harley Quinn. I love him. He is a Alabama kid from 10 minutes outside of Auburn. He had a truly outrageous freshman year. Everybody talked all season once he broke out. Well, NIL's a thing now. Who's He's not going to stay at Ole Miss. Why would he not go to somewhere like Auburn or Alabama? And the thing I love about him most is that, one, he is a great player, but, two, as soon as that season's over, he put his fists on the table, he put his foot down, he signed an NIL deal, he got a raise, <laughs> but he said yeah. Ole Miss is where he's going to be. I love somebody with a chip on their shoulder. Part of his story is that Auburn didn't want him. Alabama did not want him. Don't come to me now. It's it's screw you ball. It's you didn't want me then. Don't want me now. I'm going to beat you for the rest of my life. That's his mindset. That's what I want, especially in a position like running back. Um, I love him. I love him. In 22, he played in 13 games. He started uh, 10 of them, I believe. 274 uh, attempts for 1,567 yards on the ground alone with 16 rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown. He led the SEC in attempts, yards, and touchdowns, touchdowns rushing and total touchdowns, um, not including quarterbacks, obviously, position players. Uh, Second in SEC of yards from scrimmage uh, and ninth in yards per attempt. The man's a bona fide stud. He's going to get more carries this year than he got last year. Zach Evans, the other head of the two-headed monster last year, uh, is now a Los Angeles Ram, uh, made the 53-man roster as an undrafted free agent. Um, He's just going to be incredible. Like, there's some things in life you can set your watch by, and barring injury, there is no reason why Quinshawn Jenkins would not be incredible. You look at Lane in year one through what's – through three, 
he's always ran the ball well, whether it be Ely and Connor or it be uh, Judkins. Uh, and I'm blanking on who it was two years ago. Uh, well, it was Ely and Connor two years ago, but we had them for two years. Mm-hmm. And then last year with uh, with Judkins and Evans, what? You want to make a point here. You want to prove. I do. And it's going to help. Ole Miss last year was 8-1 and one when they rushed for 4.6 or more yards per carry. The only game that they lost was against Arkansas when you rushed for like 463 and lost on a fluke. Right. Lost on some fluke plays, um, and zero and four where they didn't. So you're absolutely right that that offense is way better when you're running the ball effectively. So, uh, See, so I helped. Judkins me. to back that set up last year, he averaged five point seven yards per rush. Um, and let's be honest, as we get fo- look forward to the schedule, the Ole Miss's schedule. Um, I think it's important to note what we went through last year. Ole Miss finished eight and four. Ole Miss started seven and one, and lost three out of their last four. They lost three. Do you know why? They lost three of the last four because Lane Kiffin became a problem. Mm-hmm. So, you can look at that one of two ways: one, Lane Kiffin is a problem, or two, if Lane Kiffin, if that doesn't happen. I don't. There's no reason to think Ole Miss is not nine and three or ten and two last year. They lost games. They that Arkansas game they should not have lost. They should not have lost that Mississippi State game. They lost it, but Mississippi State was not the better team last year. You're not even going to argue with me, okay? I was really bracing for I, that there. Okay, anyway, it's no, it, because it's no point. Because it's no point. Like we were the better team across every aspect of the game last year. We outrushed y'all. We, no, we shut down. We shut that's, down that's Judkins. That's what I'm saying. Shut you're, him down. You're proving my point as well. Is that it was a distracted down. team by the time we got to Egg Bowl last year? And whereas you just got hit in the where, mouth, and you don't want to admit it. I'm telling you, we got kicked in the mouth. That's that's where we're actually agreeing. But the root cause is undeniably because mm-hmm. Lane Kiffin flirt- I wouldn't say undeniably flirted I openly with Auburn. And so you can either look at Ole Miss's schedule this year and say, okay, well, if we're 7-1 and one again, will somebody else come calling? Or will we actually finish the job this year and Lane keep his name out of the media? There's nothing to believe that he will. But I'm under the persuasion, and I'm under the hope anyways, that the athletic director at Ole Miss, when he was going through all of this last year, that he sat Lane down and said, if this happens again, I'm just going to fire you. Three losses at the back end of your schedule with a better than than this team because you want to play coaching carousel is unacceptable, and I won't allow it again. So either take the job or shut up and don't talk about it. So that's how I'm looking at this schedule. I'm looking at this roster – I'm looking at the team that we had last year pre-drama and uh, interpolating that forward into this year, taking last year's team, this year's additions and losses, and expecting that Lane will keep his nose clean. Because, honestly, you can't pick a schedule and think that your coach is going to cause a lot of drama. You you can't pick a schedule that way. So, Mm -hmm. to get to the schedule, this is the second. Hang on. You you got your your piece about Mississippi State. I get mine about mm-hmm. Ole Miss. I did a lot of research in Ole okay. Miss, and I've got I'll I'll keep it to three things. I did a ton of research. I keep it to three things because I know we we've gone long. I made one of my points earlier about running the ball. Number one, this offense is going to go by two things. 
as good as Judkins is, he's fantastic. One of the best players of the SEC, if not the best, one of the best players of the country, should be in the Heisman candidacy conversation. I'll agree with that. This team is going to live and buy by Jackson Dart. Can he take that next step? Can he quit turning the ball over? Can he make better decisions? Can he manage a game? That's where it's going to go. The other thing on offense is time of possession. Ole Miss averaged 26 minutes a game last year, where their opponents averaged 33 minutes. Can they do a better job? Ole Miss is a quick strike offense. It's just what they are under Lane Kiffin. It's what they always have been. Can they do a better job of hanging onto the ball to give that defense a break? Defense is going to be better. Your defensive line is returning a lot of veterans. You got some veterans transferring in. You had 35 sacks as a unit last year. A, a good defensive line. But can you stop the pass? Are these transfers going to be good enough? Because here's the thing. Golding is a good defensive coordinator. He's going to turn that defense around, but I don't know that he can do it in one year. Ole Miss gave up 387 yards a game last year. That's abysmal. Just gave up a ton of offense. They were Swiss cheese. The only thing worse was Arkansas's defense. Golding's going to turn it around. He's going to get the players he he needs in, in that system, but I don't know that he can do it in one year. Their defense might just be better this year simply because they can't be much worse than they were last year. And then lastly... Are you prepared, Drew Gann, as a fan of the Ole Miss Rebels, for when Florida is doing really poorly and they're firing Billy Napier, that the rumors around Lane Kiffin are going to get hotter than Auburn last year? Are you prepared for that same exact thing? Whether you're 7-1 and one or you're 5-4, and four, whatever the case may be, his name, because he's a big name, because they've had that one 10-win season, because they've had some decent teams, his name is going to be in any head coaching um, conversation because of the coaching tree that he's a part of in Nick Saban being there at Ole Miss. So whether you're seven and one or you're four and three, his name's still going to be in that conversation. Are you prepared for when Florida starts heating up those rumors in October and November and you limp to the finish again? Okay, uh, I got to be perfectly honest with you, Rusty. I don't know what happened uh, while you were going on that monologue. My internet went out, <laughs> uh, mm, but you're fantastic. back now. I heard. The part about Swiss cheese uh, on our defense. So my three things. Uh, I'll do it real quick. Time of possession. Yeah. You got to get better at time of possession through Jackson Dart because you the op, the other team had the ball for almost ten minutes longer than you last year. Pete Golding can he turn it around in a year because the defense has to get better because it can't get much worse giving up almost four hundred yards a game. And then are you ready for those Lane Kiffin rumors to get hot around okay. Florida? First, time of time of possession does not matter in most cases. Time of possession, mm-hmm. uh, lengthy scoring drives are not a thing in the NFL anymore. You're scoring fast. I'm not talking about the I mean, NFL. I'm, I'm talking no, about I'm, in college football I'm, I'm where it still both. matters. It still matters it, in college it, football. It, if you it got is, the ball more than the other team, you're going to win the game. As it, you think it should. Okay? Uh, mm. Explosive plays. I disagree. The reason why I say this is if you can score in 70 yards in big explosive plays that Lane Kiffin is known for, if that offense is working, you're never going to win the time of possession game, and you're still going to score points. Now, I get – If you I live get, and die I by get, the three, you're going to die. If you live and die by the home run, you're no, going to die. I'm not saying only home runs, but the passing game is, is a lot of deep balls. It's a lot of explosive plays. That's offensive football now. But, but If you're banking but, on that, you're going to I'm lose more often than that not. Because you've got Quinshawn Judkins. And mm. Lane Kiffin gets a bad rap for being an air raid coach. He's not an air raid coach. He he runs the ball as much, if not more, than most coaches, than the average coach in the SEC. And you've got the best running back in college football, arguably the best running but, back. But you still – how many games you win last year? We've talked about this. Quit going backwards. Secondly – I'm just no, I'm asking, It's a no, simple question. 
I forgot. We won eight games last year, and I just made my case mm-hmm. for this big team being a lot better than an eight-win team last year if you keep the distractions mm-hmm. out. Okay? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. All right. Point two. Uh, defensive switch cheese. They weren't very good last year. They're not going to be as bad this year. But they can if, be. If good God. They were not the worst off defensive team no, I've the, seen. It's in Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. Don't pick out one game, please. Uh, I, no, I, I no, no, no. I said the only teams that might have been worse were Vandy oh, and Arkansas, okay. and that's about uh, it. And they're they're going Lane to Kiffin. they're going to be better. Uh, three. Sure. Like and then, I, but, but, but hold on. Last thing about Pete Golding. He didn't choose Ole Miss over Alabama. He was there. He was a sufficient defensive coordinator. But most of Nick Saban's coordinators go on to head coaching jobs. There's a reason he's making a lateral step down to Ole Miss. Yeah, he was he was promised basically the coaching waiting. If Lane Kiffin leaves this year, I think Pete Golding will be your co- our coach in 2024. I think that's why he took the Ole Miss job. Um, that and Nick Saban wanted to go a different direction, but he wasn't fired, Rusty. Jeez. No, he was, but his contract was not renewed. There's a, there's, it's, it's two sides of the same coin. Okay, but you're going to look at whatever side benefits your case. So I'm just making a statement of what All was right. out there regarding, like, like based on regarding, facts. I'm, I'm being unbiased. It's objective here. Okay. Regarding Lane Kiffin and coaching rumors, I said it last year. I said it this year. I love Lane. Uh, I'm giving Lane a third chance. I'm all in on him once again. But if coaching rumors happen midseason and he does not immediately turn them down, he should be fired. That's my stance. I'm sick of it. I'm not going to do it again. That's going on Instagram. (laughs) There's a lot of things you can clip from this. Most (laughs) Ole Miss fans, I'd say 80% of them would agree with me. We don't think we are a top five program in the country. We do not think we are a blue blood but we will not stand for continually getting drugged through this coaching carousel and being used as a pawn for what at least is a raise and at most is you leaving us in the dark, okay? So don't do it again. You brought up Florida. Uh, Just side note here, if he entertains Florida, he's an idiot. If you look at the coaches that have been at Florida since Urban Meyer, tell me which one has done well. Uh, Will Muschamp. Jim McElwain, Dan Mullen have all gotten fired. Uh, Muschamp coached 49 games. He was 28 and 21. Fired. McElwain coached 34 games, 22 and 12. Fired. Dan Mullen, 49 games, 34 and 15. Fired. Billy Napier, 13 games. He was 6 and 7 last year. And they're projected to be worse this year. If anybody looks at Florida as an easy job – or a blue blood, or anything other than an average SEC school with two elite coaches in their past that got them three championships, then nobody would see Florida as any different than South Carolina. Two things. Lane Kiffin's ego, and he's arrogant enough to think he can go down there and win. Number two, McElwain, Mullen, Got fired because they were morons, man. McElwain got got in trouble Every with some videos. That, Dan though. Mullen was weird, uh, and then Muschamp was just not yeah. good, and and Napier would not yeah. be good. But I'm just telling you right now, knowing Lane Kiffin and his ego, he's, his ego, ego is big enough to think a- that he's going to go down Every there and win in Florida. Coach. I don't yeah. disagree. Every head coach, I don't disagree. That they're going to take that job over the top. What is fact here is that that Florida job is hard. 
You remember mm-hmm. at one time, Hugh Freeze was offered the Florida job, and he stayed at Ole Miss. And so, that's Hugh Freeze. That ain't, but that ain't listen, Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin sees no, that in dollar signs and sees Florida. This man, is, I'm this telling is you. different. Ole Miss is paying. That they are paying on par with anybody, any of their competitors. They they have matched his salary every single time he's asked. They've done that with every single sure. head coach since football became big business. Okay. No, but I'm asking you, are you ready for when this I've, happens? I've, I've it, told you, know, you exactly. I've told you what's going what I'm going to say when it happens. So, am I ready? No, but this will be my response. Fire him. All right. We'll see what happens because it's going to happen, whether it's Florida, uh, whether it's whoever. Just, like, it's going to happen, and I'm telling you right now, I, you heard it here first on the Two Bucks Sports Podcast. When Florida comes calling, he's going to at least listen, and we're going to be in the same situations. You can keep making excuses every year. I give you one more year, give him one more year. This I, is the I, Lane no, Kiffin MO. I told you last He's year. going to entertain these jobs. Telling, 100%. What I'm telling you is that if he does it, he will get fired because he has been told that if he does this again, he will get fired. So at his, That's what you hope at, he's told? No. Or you know he's been told? I can't say I know anything. But I know, can infer and read between the lines that the conversations that I was told was had in that athletic department as he was using us as a pawn. Quote, if you can use somebody as a pawn that you stay with. I mean, using yeah. us as a chip on the board, you know. Um, and he's also, he said that he wanted to come back because his daughters loved it here. The thing that's not talked about, sure, you can – as a Mississippi State fan, act like Ole Miss is a second-rate job. Fine, you, I get it. I'll I'll let you play your fan card. However, what, P.S. We're on the same what, level, huh? We're on the same level. Uh, no. As much as y'all want to think you're an upper echelon job, you're yeah. not. You, us, you, Kentucky, <laughs> so, South Carolina, we're all in the same. That's the difference. We're all in the same bucket. We're the middle. We're the middle of the pack. That's, that's just the difference. What we are, we're, you we're can always, think you're a blue blood all you want, up, but you're reaching up, but you're just not. always trying to say, you're "No, not. you're with me. You're, you're not. with me. You're not. So, you are absolutely re- not. Y'all never, got high hopes. We're the Harvard of the South. We've never lost a party. We're the we're on par with Alabama, LSU. You're on par with every single other middle of the road SEC team." Not named Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. I'm just, Don't I'm just miss saying, me with you that. You have man. never, and Mississippi State fans have never one time thought that they were better than Ole Miss. They just they just get mad Absolute that Ole Miss bull. thinks they're better than them. Oh my god, that's the most Ole Miss thing to say. Like we're going to deflect and say it's all on y'all, and the Egg Bowl doesn't matter, and beating Mississippi State doesn't matter, and that's bull crap when it comes right down to it. Y'all want to beat us as bad as we want to beat you. We think just, we're just as just good as y'all are. We're the down. same par. We're the same exact as Ole Miss. And you can talk about this all you want, but we know what we are. Y'all know what y'all are. We're good SEC teams that are going to be competitive. But at the end of the day, y'all, we're in that. We're on the same level. As much as y'all want to flick your nose and look down at us, we're the same exact well, team. I mean, all I'm saying is, if we both fell off a boat, you would be grabbing at our feet to try to keep us, so no we can keep bull. you afloat. <laughs> Question: Where'd y'all finish last year in the oh SEC? Not out of the last thirteen years. Not out of the last. Not out of the last thirteen years. Who has had the better SEC or better overall record, State or Ole Miss? I'm guessing State, since you're asking the question. Mississippi State. Thank you very much. Oh, I'm sorry. How many Access Bowls have you went to since you've ever cared about one? Because you've been to two Sugar Bowls. Yes. And a Peach. You've been to one. 
Okay. We've been to the Peach Bowl. We've been to the Texas Bowl. Congratulations. Bowl. You went to the Bowl. Are you going to talk about the Texas Bowl in this conversation? Yeah, it's not a New Year's okay. Six, but it's I an upper level bowl. About, it's a New Year's Six. It's, it's not, not a New Year's Six. New Year's Six. Congratulations. No. You got your butt kicked in the Sugar Bowl once and you won one. Congratulations. Yeah. But ladies and gentlemen, Ole Miss has got participation oh. trophies. They're going to hang a banner just like Arkansas's, yeah. uh, Arkansas's participation ring in the, no, in the banners is, up there. This is my championship ring right here. Congratulations, baby. Let's go. You're going to get embarrassed in a Sugar Bowl. Congratulations. Let me tell you something. I ask you a question. Lane Kiffin averages I, Lane, Caver- Lane Kiffin averages geez. seven point four wins. He's had one ten win season and he's had a six win season. The rest of them have been seven wins. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Congratulations. All I asked you was how many access bowls you've went to. And you said, Well, you've lost access bowls. But that didn't answer the question. You've been to one in your best season ever. And so and, and, we're sitting here. We're talking about we're talking about bowl games, but they don't matter to you and Ole Miss. But we've been to no, but they are indicative to how well how your regular season went. Ole Miss, yeah, and that's it. We've had a better regular season for the last thirteen years than Ole Miss, except for when you went to the Sugar Bowl because we've been consistently going to bowls when <laughs> Ole Miss has stayed at home several years. We're still going to bowls. We're still bowl eligible. Means that's we won at least six that games. Was held alive by a five and seven season. How many how many times has Ole Miss been in bowl games? I mean, it's bowl game. Like like that means you had a very successful you had a successful regular season, an above average regular season to go to a bowl game. We've been to thirteen straight. Ole Miss hasn't missed me with it, man. Yeah, I mean you, like I said, you went to a bowl game at five and seven, and you hold on to those Texas bowl trophies. We got beat the Texas bowl last year, and I'm not bragging about going to thirteen the straight Texas bowl. Thirteen straight, thirteen straight. Let's get to the schedule. Okay. 13 All straight. Right. Well, I'll just make it easy. We're going 12 and 0 and win the national championship. <laughs> and now we're going to come back to reality. <laughs> Meanwhile, back on the All ranch, right. you're going to win your first game against yeah, Mercer. That's win. a pretty obvious one. Uh, and then game two, the hardest part of this game is it's a ranked game on the road at Tulane, but it's at uh, 230 in New Orleans, Louisiana in September. It's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. But I don't care. It's and sticky. Win. It's a win. I agree. I think Ole Miss, it's a Willie trendy Fritz thing right is now. He's a good coach. But these group of yep. five teams that burst onto the scene have a really hard time uh, doing it back-to-back years. Uh, I agree. And I think they're they're a trendy pick for Ole Miss to lose this game, but I don't think so. I think they'd be too late. Uh, Georgia Tech, uh, it's an, it's a loss. It's a win. for It's a loss for Georgia Tech. Walking, uh, walking away for Ole Miss. So you get the, we both got them 3-0. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this is the most vulnerable Alabama's been in a while just because they don't have Bryce Young at quarterback. Uh, before Bryce, it was Mac Jones. Before Mac Jones, it was Jalen Hurts. You don't know who the successor is, and that's the only reason why I say it's susceptible. Don't confuse susceptible with a win. I'm not going to pick Ole Miss to go to Bryant-Denny and win that game. And that's the reason I don't think it's a win. Y'all have done some crazy things, but you had Chad Kelly. You had some good quarterbacks in those teams. Jackson Dart is good, but I don't know. Uh, I got a loss. Yeah. And unfortunately, the next game is at home against LSU. Uh, LSU, who I picked to win the West. LSU that almost always – Ole Miss plays well, especially at home. Um, I picked it as a loss. I believe this is more 50-50 than people would like to believe because of just the attitude of that game on that team. They're going to have it circled. Old heads at Ole Miss have it circled. Everybody loves to see LSU lose in Oxford. I don't think it's going to happen, but it is circled, and it's not – an L is not written in ink here. Uh 
You have Arkansas. It's in blue ink on my paper. Oh, of course it it's is. a loss. <laughs> what do you have? 0 and 12 so far? Okay. No, I've got uh, 3 and 2 Shut so up, far. Let me finish. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, Arkansas at home. Uh, I hate playing Arkansas, but I love playing Arkansas happen, here. Because typically we have played Arkansas right before Mississippi State or the game before that. Week uh, 10, 11, or 12, we're playing Arkansas. And it's to the point to where they have seemed to have nothing to play for and we have everything to play for and things get weird. I love playing Arkansas in week six. Uh, for that reason, and because I think Ole Miss is just better than Arkansas, Arkansas is going to win that. I mean, Ole Miss is going to win that game. I, I think Ole Miss is the better football team. It's at home. It's at, it's in, in Oxford. But crazy things sure, happen in that sure. game. And it's a wild toss-up game. I knew you were going to take that as a win for Ole Miss. I took it as a loss. I think Arkansas wins that game on a kooky fourth and 25 or a kickoff lateral. Like, crazy things happen in that game. And it's one of those, like, state Ole Miss, you can't really pick what's going to happen because it's a wild game. You can say that, but I've consistently said I'm not going to predict chaos. It's impossible to to pick wins and losses and know. I know there's going to be chaos, but knowing where the chaos is going to be, because the chaos could be at Alabama and Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. They've done it before where Quincy Adebojo catches a deflected pass off the defender's helmet and houses it for a touchdown. I was at that game and Ole, after it went 40 yards yeah, in the air. And <laughs> Ole Miss beats Alabama in Bryant-Denny. Chaos mm-hmm. happens anywhere. It most often mm-hmm. happens against Arkansas. But to, to, right. to that's pick a schedule based on potential chaos, I feel like it's just mm-hmm. a really easy way to make yourself look like an idiot. So please, I just go feel like it's happened. Be an idiot. <laughs> I feel like it's happened in the Arkansas game more often than not. So I'm hedging my bets by the law of averages here, and it just it just feels like kooky things happen. And so we've got to find some ways that we can differentiate here. I'm taking the oh, Arkansas game as there. a loss for Ole Miss. We're going to get there. <laughs> I think it's very yeah. important at this part of the schedule to stop and note the bye week here. Uh, mm-hmm. Arkansas at home, you get a week off, and it's important here because the next week you're going to Auburn. To play here. That's going to be an emotional game, you, an emotional can game. Can you imagine, as an Ole Miss fan or as Ole Miss media, what that two weeks is going to be like instead of just one week? Now The message boards are going to be yes, on fire. Absolutely. Uh, Auburn's going to have other problems. I'm sure their bye week's not the same bye week at Ole Miss. Uh, so, but their problems are going to be compacted into a week, whereas I'm going to have to think about Hugh Freeze for two weeks. Now, my <laughs> hope is Hugh Freeze has been gone for a long time now. Uh, the players, there's no players on this staff, on this team that were coached by Hugh Freeze. Uh, there's one staffer still there that was under. For Hugh the Freeze. record, Auburn's bye week is two weeks before they have. They play Georgia on the 30th, have a bye week, LSU, then Ole Miss. Okay, so they're coming off LSU on the road or at home. Uh, let's see, they play at LSU. Okay. So they're coming off of a game at LSU. That's important. That proves my case here. Uh. Mm-hmm. coming off a game at LSU and Ole Miss is coming off of a bye. It's emotional. Whereas I don't think the players or the coaching staff cares about Hugh Freeze on the sideline and the um, the politics of it all. Like Hugh Freeze and Lane Kiffin have no beef. There is no bad blood. Sure. It is the fans versus Freeze and the Freeze versus the administration that fired him. None of those people are still there anymore. I don't think there's beef. There's going to be beef on that field, but it is going to be a lot of tension for fans wanting to beat Hugh again. 
uh, and you're going to have to do it at Auburn. And Ole Miss historically does not win at Auburn. Um, I can't remember the stat, but I believe the year Bo beat them was it's like the last time Ole Miss has beaten Auburn uh, at home, at Auburn's place. And so it never looks well, but because of the bye week, because they're coming off of a road trip to Baton Rouge, and because I'm not very high on Auburn at this point of the schedule, like I said, I think they're going to get going late. I think it's worse for you guys than it, it will be for us because we're catching them earlier. It's a win for Ole Miss. So I am an unbiased participant in this podcast. You quit saying Unlike that. my esteemed colleague. Your nose is going an to knock over your computer screen. <laughs> and so I did my homework on this, and I saw that Auburn was playing after playing Ole Miss after they had Georgia a bye week and then at LSU. And so I'm taking this as a win for the Ole Miss Rebels to beat Hugh Freeze, to beat Arkansas. They're going to win there. I got to move into four and three. Again, you're right. You're catching them early before they get in a rhythm, and I think Ole Miss wins to move to four and three. Okay. Then uh, we play at Vandy, or Vandy at home. That's a win. That's a win. Um, A&M at home, preseason ranked 23. I've beat this like a drum. I don't trust them. We've got them a little earlier than you have them, so maybe the wheels hadn't totally fallen off yet. Or maybe we are the crazy X that slashes the tires, and that's what I really hope. So the meltdown will come at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium in the visitor's locker room after Ole Miss beats A&M. You've got them at seven and two right now, huh? Yeah, but I really don't think like where where I are. I just asked well, a question. I'm saying outside of Alabama and LSU, there are no obvious losses here. I'm not being a homer to this point. There are That's no. Probably ob- fair. I mean, Auburn on the road is the only one that you could say historically Ole Miss should lose that I picked as a win. And then you can never know what's going to happen against Arkansas. Again, I'm not picking chaos. Ole Miss is a better team on paper. Than Arkansas said you and, never know what's going to happen. And they're playing them in Oxford. That's not an outright. So. That's not a homer pick. All right. So seven and yes. two. So Georgia. That's a, at Athens. That's a yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, as, did you I've have got Ole Miss, Miss at a much more. What about did you have Ole Miss at A and M? Ole Miss and A and M. At Ole Miss, at Ole Miss winning. I have been a much more sensible six and three going into that Georgia game. I think that three losses is very likely at that point, but I don't think there's any way that they Georgia. I think three losses is likely too, but I just don't know which one it is. And based on matchup mm. by matchup, looking here, I don't see it either. So we got you got them at seven three. You got them at seven and four heading to ULM, which is an obvious win. Right. And then that Egg Bowl uh, at Mississippi and State. And I think they win for all the reasons I've just said before. I think Ole Miss is a better team. There's more continuity. The only thing that could derail us is the same thing that derailed the better team from winning last year, and it was coaching drama. And if coaching drama happens, I hope there's no more drama at this point because he is packing his bags, and Pete Golden has taken over on an interim basis, which we'll be making full-time in a couple weeks. So for the same reason, continuity. I think we're we're the same. We're the two sides of the same coin. Mississippi State has the same defensive coordinator, and that's now their head coach. We have a new offensive you coordinator. Ole Miss has the same <laughs> offensive coordinator. That's now their head. That is their head coach, and they have a new defensive coordinator. It's two sides of the same coin. I think for continuity reasons, continuity. the state uh, state defense. You, what it is, like I talked about earlier, Mississippi when you've State got wins. A new head coach. <laughs> 
who is our defensive coordinator. It's a it's streamline. Just, it'd be one thing if we pulled somebody from Wazoo or we like Mike Leach or we pulled somebody from I Miami or we pulled somebody from somewhere else. He was. It's an in-house hire. It's continuity, it's man. Just, Whether you want to blame it, you know, you're a hater if you say it's not because it's what it, it is, it man. Is as it's the same. It's, it's, how it's is it different than Ole Miss putting in a hold on? How is it different? We're putting in a new offense with the same defense. How is it different than putting Ole Miss has the same offense putting in a new defense? How is it different? Because the head coach is still the same. The CEO of the program is still the same. It's the same philosophy. It's still calling plays, just like Lane Kiffin's calling offensive plays. He's still going to be calling if defensive plays. And I don't know if you case, know this or not, uh, but we're going to check the, the notes same, real quick. Uh, and, and Mississippi State held Ole Miss to 78 yards on 39 carries last year. It's the same defensive again, scheme. I, Judkins, man, the, the 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 savior of the Ole Miss, the saint here. Judkins held to 78 yards on 39 carries. It was a bad game. Nobody is disputing that, Rusty. Oh, it's a bad nope. game. You got hit in the mouth is what it was. Oh, my God, I've told you, you this. You found a defense that could line up and hit you in the mouth and shut down Judkins, shut down that offense. And if it wasn't for that fluke Will Rogers fumble, y'all wouldn't have scored at the end anyway. Rusty. Because Will Rogers, he ran, he ran the ball twice last year, once in a in an FCS game and the other one against Ole Miss, and he fumbled. Yes. Uh, Rusty, you, if it you wasn't keep for that, yelling. We'd have, we'd have won yelling, pulling away. But nobody's arguing with you. Except for the fact that you won't admit. How is this not arguing? No, except you just, for the fact you, that you're arguing you keep with saying, me. Oh, we we knocked you in the mouth. You won't admit that you knocked us in the mouth. I'm telling you that you knocked us in the mouth, but you refuse to appreciate the situation that was apparent on the field in not just the Mississippi State game, but the Auburn game and the Arkansas game and all the games in which Lane Kiffin was having drama you if you can't excuses it, are like buttholes everybody's got one and they all stink you can make excuses for all these games all you no, want you there, lost the football are, games there you are lost the football reasons games. and there are excuses this is because there's valid. the same thing no, mike leach, it, you mike must, leach was it, in, you, on the hot seat last year we can do this yeah. man we can do this all night yeah, he was on the hot seat last year that's what i'm saying so oh well we were but we get into the old at the egg bowl he's on the hot seat coaching for his life you cannot, and we found a way to win if the you cannot game impartially look at this and see how that would be a distraction how it would affect the play on the field then you are sure ridiculous. it's a distraction there's there's two there's a distraction there's a play on the field does it yes. relate absolutely and I'm the play on the field there was a better there was a better team on the field that, that night as well you is that there was a distraction which led to i'm not to a poorly played planned executed game from Ole Miss which resulted in Mississippi State winning and Shutting down our offense. I'm giving or, you. There was a there was a distraction that was off. There was an off the field distraction, and you got outplayed by the better football team on that night. That's what I'm saying. They just shake hands. They do. You cannot say it doesn't. This lasted. Right, say, for we were a, the, say, th- say we were the better no, team last year. Then no, I'm not. There it is. There because it is. <laughs> of this exact thing that I'm trying to okay. get you to realize was a problem. But when I it was a problem, and we were the better team last year. You were a problem. Those two things can be the it same. It was thing. a problem which allowed you to win the egg bowl last year. There it is. See you, exactly. I won't. It was a problem because and we were the true. better team. I won't. Admit I don't know, it. man. What was y'all's record last oh year? My God, what was, it was y'all's the record same last year? as yours. Quit asking the same question as if it's a rebuttal. Get something new or stop it. Why do I need to get something new? And it it's a the, fact. It's well, the what's truth. The same, it's a fact. You keep saying. 
what was your record last year? As if it was. But you're talking like you're going to be like you're going to finish ten and two, eleven and zero, or whatever. I don't. I do not think so. I do not. Y'all, y'all had a very front loaded, very easy front part of your schedule. The back part of your schedule was much more difficult. There was absolutely no way you were going to go ten and two. There was no friggin' way. And there's no friggin' way you can convince me that down the stretch. In which all so these ten games, and two is hold on, ten hold and two on, is a homer pipe dream. We were eight and one, and the rest of the games we lost close games in which it was obvious that this was a distraction. It, uh, you lost four games in a row down the stretch of Three the of gauntlet four. of your Three schedule. Of yes, so you're you started you beat Troy, you beat Central Arkansas, you beat Georgia Tech, you beat Tulsa. Round of applause real quick, boys. We're 4-0. Yeah. You beat Kentucky. You beat Vanderbilt. You beat Auburn. Then you played LSU, who you yes, lost. You beat you beat A&M. Then you played Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi State. You lost the last three yes. SEC football games. Right. Congratulations. You went 7-1 and one by playing the, the bottom game? part of the SEC. Um, that one was 42-27, to 27, okay. Arkansas won. 42-27. Alabama, 30-24. to 24-22, Mississippi State, okay. Ole Miss. So like, – and then you lost your bowl game by three touchdowns. Yeah, well, you know my stance. Because bowl, bowl games, games don't matter. I, I forget. Don't, they don't bowl matter. Bowl games don't matter. Unless you want to count them. But they're only the, – <laughs> Unless they the, serve your the purpose, bowl, right? The only part of a bowl game – And you lost – hey, real quick, you also lost to LSU by 25 yes, points. Yes, I know. So there's that, that too. LSU team was good. We've talked about this. It's the reason why I think they're winning the West. Anyways. We lost by two. We lost by 14. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. It's just asinine, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm done uh, talking about last season. That's not the reason of this podcast. But if you can't, if you just cannot see how a distraction results in loss, serve your point. Uh, if you can't see that and understand that, sure, I'll give you a loss or two. Sure. So I'll give you a loss or two, one or two. <laughs> but then you got to figure it out. You're a grown man playing tackle football. You can't make excuses all day okay. long. I don't want to hear any excuses when your new head coach flops on his face this year and you'll hear none when we're not flopping on our face and we so, finish eight and four well i hope everybody enjoyed the last episode of the two bucks sports podcast <laughs> we were right <laughs> it's been a good run it's been a good run rusty i'll talk to you wednesday and not a moment before <laughs> if that <laughs> so all right drew tell them where they can find us for now uh you can find tonight's episode the last ever episode of the two bucks sports podcast <laughs> on apple's podcast and spotify searching the number two buck sports podcast uh check us out on instagram that's where we do the most interacting at uh number two buck sports pod and uh, if you want to watch this youtube video it'll be good it'll be a good youtube video <laughs> to watch yes. uh, watch it on uh youtube two buck sports podcast just like everything else yep absolutely so be on the lookout i'm, I'm venturing out on some more social media drew's got our facebook we've got our twitter I'm thinking about maybe doing a TikTok. That's where everybody's at. That's where everybody's looking into. I know, but I'm just going to do essentially what I'm doing, doing short videos on our TikTok to get more exposure. And um, and guys, just be on the lookout for that coming from the One Buck Sports Podcast starting next week <laughs> as this thing starts to wind down. <laughs> Drew, thanks, buddy. I appreciate right, it. See you guys.